Hello and welcome to the Harlefer Show, a place where like-minded individuals gather to discuss the good, the bad, and the weirder side of Malifaux. Please bear in mind that we're all grown-ups here, so there may be some language not suitable for the more delicate of listeners, and all opinions expressed are those of the individuals involved. Now grab yourself a lovely tipple and a light snack, sit back, relax, and let the Harlefer Show commence. Hello beautiful people, welcome to the Harlefell Show, where each episode we talk about everything you need to know about a certain master. Um, they've let me post again, which is, I, I don't know why, but here we go. You're uh, in it so far, you're alright. Yeah. Fair rotation, fair rotation. <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, so, we've, it's me, Courtney, uh, Tom. Hello. And Chris. Hello. Uh, I'm sorry, listeners, but uh, we have to go to Tom again this week, um, and unfortunately, he wants to talk. What are you going to talk about? Yeah, back to the Neverboard Boys. Yeah, great. Fantastic. You can skip this episode. You don't need to listen to it. Just move on. You could, but it's literally the most popular master in the <laughs> oh, game. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so very on topic at the minute. Very on topic. So I'm going to talk about the wonderful baby boy, the Dreamer. And my sales pitch is really simple because he just is Malifaux. I think yeah. pretty much he's everybody's first experience with like the artwork or the game. And so he iconic. Is, is, he yeah. is, absolutely. Even though he's grown up a little bit, he'll always be the little boy with the big VC next to him. And my sales pitch is quite simply, he is the Neverborn Swiss army knife. Mm. And he is your ubiquitous summoner who can solve all of the problems that you might encounter. When you can't just walk up and punch things with Nekima or make things cry with Pandora, because we don't really have any other masters apart from those three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I think people might agree, disagree on that one, but yeah. Well, yeah. you know, one's the dirty guild turncoat. No one wants to own Zerider, and Euripides can just do one. So <laughs> I'm going to <laughs> Marcus isn't a master, so like we're just going to go with it. Wow, he's true. Immediately wow. lost every listener, but I'm not going it. I'm sticking with it. Like, I'm the Neverborn guy, I can say this. We've got the Holy Trinity and everything else sucks. So I'm right. going to pull past it. Well, so Dreamer is uh, is our summoner for the Neverborn. He is a notorious figure both on and off the tabletop. His lore is obviously awesome that he's this uh, young man who... When he goes to bed, obviously he transposes himself into Malifaux and can manifest nightmares. He's been tutored, question mark, by Lord Chompy Bits, otherwise known as like Nightmare, the big tyranty thing that's just absolutely terrifying. Um, and he's got some very, very strong mechanics. And I think the the mechanics that we'll talk about will pop up in a lot of cards. All I'm going to say, as in a nutshell, he will manipulate his ability to have cards in play and make the deck stronger as the game goes on. And obviously, secondly, he's got that kind of summoning ability to bring in a lot of minions that will appear next to enemies and start beating their faces. Mm-hmm. I think that the fact he manipulates his deck, you've undersold that slightly, yeah. but we'll get to that later on just how <laughs> it's only because good I'm that is. argue that that's his actual primary mechanic. I don't think the summoning is the primary thing you do with Dreamer. I think no, removing I cards from play is definitely his primary yeah. mechanic. Which enables the summoning in a way, but... Um... But yeah, what comes in the box? Well, he's got a new box now, hasn't he? Yeah, so it's worth me saying that, like, you know, in, he's because he's a summoner, we've got to go through the whole keyword, but just yeah. for in case anyone wants a, a standard list, there's two lists I tend to run with Dreamer. There's the normal Dreamer one, which is I'm going to punch that thing in the face, and then there's the Dreamer Schema. 
kind of one, which we'll talk about, or Dream Scheme as it's on my, my app list. Um, if you want a straight list to plug in and know what I'm talking about, essentially you could take Dreamer and Chompy with upgrades, which we'll talk about in a second. Serena, Two Daydreams, Capellia, Stitch, Teddy, and Seven Soulstones. That will get you through most games when you're learning. We'll talk about the advancements later. So Dreamer's Core Box has changed. I'm quite lucky that I picked up the second edition box, which I believe has the nicer Chompy bits. It's not Gym Lad Chompy. It's <laughs> genuinely quite terrifying Chompy. Um, but sadly, the, you lose out because the Alps coming at are look, look way better in the new box. And I quite like New Dreamer with his cricket bat and his kind of industrial revolution half, yeah. to, like, you know, kind of garb. I don't even know how to describe it. Really. A bug with him as well. Yeah, he has got a little kind of minion around him. Um, so yeah, we'll start with the master himself. Um, Dreamer is a interesting one because he pairs so much with his totem, which is Chompy. So Dreamer's stats on the face of things look a little bit scary as a master. You know, he's like 7 HP, defense 5, willpower 6, move 5, size 2. He's not doing anything particularly amazing. I mean, that health um, is quite low, isn't it? Yeah, that HP means... I mean, he's got Serene Countenance, which protects him, and he's got the ability to have Protecting Nightmare, so he can literally chuck attacks onto other people. And because he's a little boy that's asleep and is transposing himself into Malifaux, he does have Incorporeal, so he can kind of reduce that. So he does have a lot of defensive tech on his card, and traditionally that will help him get through a lot of situations. Um, He also has the ability to interact quite well with other miniatures. Now we'll start really basically, which is I'm just going to start with his main action, which is his summoning ability. Um, so he's got his main headline is called Manifest Nightmares, and it's an eight inch range, which is pointless because he actually summons things in buried. <laughs> um, stat six, and essentially he can name any number of nightmare minions, which means he's not summoning one thing per turn. So if you remember, we were talking about Kirai last week, and I think she's limited to one, isn't she? Yeah. Um, Dreamer brings in a few more little things, but essentially the TN is a mask and it's your standard 10 plus whatever the total cost is. So those seven soul stones that we talked about earlier on, they're there to ensure that you've got a a mask available to you should you need it. But Dreamer has the ability to summon anything from a seven upwards, which makes him quite an effective summoner. Um, I mean, admittedly, the seven and the nine is a daydream and an alp. They're not stunning. But from 10 upwards, he has the ability to summon two models, if not one big thing. So we'll talk about them more as they come. But basically, a 10 is two daydreams or a stitched. 11, we start bringing in the City of Madnesses. 12 is an Alp and a daydream. 13 is kind of like stitched in a daydream. You kind of add them, or you can literally summon three daydreams in. And if you get a Red Joker, you kind of bring in like a couple of Alps or an Insidious in a daydream. So Dreamer's initial mechanic with his summon is to try and bring in a couple of things. He wants more than one thing lined up. And the main thing that I can argue with that is essentially, and Courtney can probably talk about this in a second. Mm. There's been a lot of chat about what Dreamer's mechanics are and where he's strong and where he's not. I think Dreamer is psychologically a strong master. I think what sets him apart and what makes him very Malifaux, he creates a queue on the side of the board of monsters that are waiting to punch you. And all the way through the game, his models are removing weak cards from the deck. So your opponent is constantly looking at the side of the board and seeing this conga line of beasts and these weak cards being removed as the game continues. And I actually think that is where his ability lies and that's where his theme lies, that he psychologically really starts to put your opponents off. Um, which is a weird weird thing you can't really quantify, but I suppose it's me coming from a Guild Ball background. The old joke with Guild Ball is that like, if you could train a computer to play the game, it could play it. 
because everything is quantifiable and you can do the maths average. Malifaux has that kind of element of bluffing and that element of schemes and also that element yeah. of kind of bravado and Dreamer plays nicely into that. He's a very never-born master because you're messing with your opponent's head just by having, well, if you fail this willpower duel, these things are going to pop up and that's kind of where this summoning comes in. So basically when you summon, it comes in buried and with stunned and when your opponent fails a willpower duel that you cause, then you can bring that model into base contact with it. Um, so essentially it's this idea of the, a nightmare pops out of the void and starts to damage them. And a lot of models have abilities that they can either use when they're buried or when they pop out and they make some very tasty combinations. Um, so realistically, Dreamer sits at the back early on and he summons. Uh, I will pass this on to Courtney then. Do you agree my assessment with this kind of mental trauma? Um, yeah, I think like the last, I don't know, six months that you've been playing him on and off, <laughs> It's basically just been let's torture Courtney. <laughs> I, you know, I think I might have had like eight games against this, and I still don't know what I do, what to do against him because I I do think your initial assessment about his summoning being secondary compared to other summoners is correct. Um, I do think that he very much is a support master in the sense that he's his crew is. Um, Knocking back the bad cards out your deck, um, he can give a adver- he can give adversary out and focused um, when they're in melee as well, which we'll get to when you get to the attack actions. Um, it is psychologically draining when you do see that bunch of creatures. I wouldn't say that a lot of his summons are big hitters. I mean, I know the Alps can do some damage and uh, the stitch together can be quite nasty as well but there's nothing, I, there's nothing like super scary but it's the numbers it's the numbers does it put pressure on those flips when you've got a willpower flip do you feel like i need to cheat this because yeah, it's just an, another annoying thing coming in it, it does yeah it, it does because again it's just it's not that it's a scary thing that's coming down it's the fact that it's another thing coming down it's another thing keeping me in combat it's another thing that i've got to deal with and um it's another activation. Exactly, it's another activation because they don't come down slow either, as far as I'm aware. They come down, is it stunned? It's just stunned, yeah, and they don't really care too much about their triggers, to be honest, the things he yeah. summons. Exactly, so it, it's, it, is, it can be very overwhelming um, playing against him, especially as the, as the turns go on, because once you get to like turn three and four, uh, oh, even five exam- exactly. Um, you, you. Not only has he got most of his, his rubbish cards out of his deck, but he's generally going to have quite a lot of little boys out there as well. Um, yeah, he, he's he's probably scheming hard in those later turns, and I think exactly. Courtney mentioning the turns is important when we talk about the uh, lucid dreams with the models coming up. I think I've had two games with Dreamer that I've gone to turn five because it gets to the end of the turn four, and your opponent just looks at your deck and just goes, "Well, you're only going to be flop- like flipping moderates and severes at this stage," so it's kind of it does have that impact. Now, I think Chris, you've played a lot of against second edition Dreamer rather than third edition. Yeah. How big was the summoning in second edition? Because obviously me and Courtney weren't here for the game with that. Was it was that a primary thing or did he have the card removal back then as well? He didn't have the card removal back then. The, the stitched were bonkers uh, in second edition, rightly so. Uh, not as, as bad as they were at the start of third edition, I think, but still crazy. It was a go hard or go home. I kill myself or I kill you. But yeah. Dreamer was it was like he had a like a yo-yo thing going on with Chompy, so 
as you summon things in, you'd, you'd build up his waking condition. So you'd get to the point where Dreamer would actually wake up because he'd summoned so much in. And when he woke up, Chompy came out to play. So then you'd go with Chompy. And once you built up so many tokens with Chompy, Dreamer would fall back asleep and come back in again. So it was possible to like activate Dreamer at the start of the turn, chain into Chompy, then chain back to Dreamer again and have like three two, or two Master Eight activations. Ooh, that sounds interesting. It. It was a really cool mechanic in second edition. Um, I, I do like the way it is in third edition because you can't bring Chompy back once he's gone. No, yeah, which we'll, is a we'll, lot we'll, talk, we'll talk about the. Courtney mentioned that he's a support master, and I completely agree. Yeah. Like his bonus action to start with, like before we go on to the attacks, is called Bad Dreams, and basically it's a four-inch pulse, stat six needing a twelve. He puts shielded out to everything and pushes them two inches. Now there's a lot of movement shenanigans in a Dreamer crew. This is your turn one, turn two play that essentially you just push things up and give them shielded. Um, it's a really tasty ability because I tend to be very, very aggressive with probably every crew that I play um, to a fault in many times that I want to get my models up the board. And actually, it's weirdly that I feel like I've got like a mental block that when, when we're playing games on the channel, I try and be a bit more cute and sit back and it never pays off as well as just bludgeoning <laughs> forwards. Um so Dreamer pushing things up early and giving them shield just already sets the tone. Now that is just his bonus because his actual abilities on his card are surprisingly good. I think it's only nerfed, shall we say, or mitigated by the fact you don't really want him at the front. Despite Serene Countenance, despite Protected, despite Incorporeal, he needs to be alive because he needs to be summoning. Yeah. So he's got a cricket bat, which basically is a it's a one, two, three damage attack, but it's min three if you've got two buried models that are nightmare so essentially he can do more damage if he's got things that are buried so he summons first then he punches something with a cricket bat but it's really his way of kind of getting out of trouble because it's stat six and you're fishing for the mask trigger which is bam your turn um basically he can place himself in base contact with a friendly nightmare and put the nightmare in base contact with the enemy so it's basically his disengage that if he has a mask or if he stones for it he smacks something in the face and then bounces out of there um, but realistically, you're rarely using that because instead he's got an eight-inch shooting attack, which is Twist Reality, which is potent, shall we say. Yes. Um, Courtney, do you want to talk us through Twist Reality? Um, so Twist Reality, you can choose whether it's resisted by defense or willpower, which is very important because when you fail, will, when your opponent fails that willpower duel, you, also, you can bring your stuff on. Am I right in that, uh, Tom? Yeah, or if they've got really high willpower and you don't need to bring something in, yeah. unless you can go for the defense well, the other parts of it is still really good as well it's it ignores friendly fire which for somebody that's going to have a lot of minions up hopefully is always very useful and it ignores it's two three four damage but it also ignores armor and corp which is it's very very big uh it, it's a fantastic um shooting attack much much better than well i wouldn't say much better but when you consider like kurai i don't think being able to ignore the armoring court is, is a big thing for Dreamer. And, and about half and, of the crew has this ability, it's worth exactly. saying. It's not and, just Dreamer. And it's actually quite a big for Neverborn in general because they don't generally have a lot of shooting attacks, do they, Tom? No, they don't have a lot of anti-armor either. Outside of no. Hinamatsu off the top of my head, um, um, your anti-armor and anti-incorp is a bit of a pain. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and obviously it's worth saying Dreamer's got Stagger on it, which it might be useful if you're playing the Dream Scheme because you might bring in Vasilisa and some Voodoo Dolls and stuff, and Stagger doesn't hurt. Yeah, it's um, nice. But realistically, it's just his kind of, I'm going to blast things from afar, and he wants to be eight inches away. He doesn't need to be near the front. 
Um, and I think that's emphasized by your nightmare ability as well, which is an eight inch range stat six against willpower duel. Um, and it basically gives adversary nightmare to the opponent. And if they've got a nightmare that's engaging them, which you should have, because if they failed that duel, you've either summoned something in or it's there already. Uh, that model gains focused plus one. Um, and the tasty thing about this that's worth saying, I think I talked about this in the Pandora podcast, Dreamer's other mechanic is most of his models have a ability called Feed on Fear, which is when an enemy model fails a willpower duel in their melee zone, the nightmare model heals one. Yes. So all of these duels that you are forcing, not only if you fail, something could be summoned in, you're also healing the bugger that's in base contact with you or is in melee range with you. And that's hugely problematic for your opponent because as Courtney mentioned earlier on, that willpower duel starts to feel like something you have to cheat. Yes. And I think we'll talk about how you beat Dreamer later, but I think you actually have to exercise quite a bit of restraint and choosing when I, and when not to cheat. I think so. And I've just brought Kurai's thing up because I think this is a good point as well for Dreamer's positioning. Um, so Kurai's shooting is like a 12-inch range compared to uh, Dreamer's 8. So it feels like Dreamer wants to be a lot, not a bit closer than where Kurai would be. Because I don't, if, I don't know if you mentioned it, but he also has diversion on these abilities, which yeah. can, which even for you can declare bonus actions, which can be quite nice. Get specific. So would you say that even though you're you want him at the back, is he is he like, if, if I can say like, I mean Molly, where Molly's like the quarterback, where she wants to be behind the line but not too far back, or would you still uh, want to be quite back? For me, Dreamer is right at the back. Like, he doesn't cross the halfway line. He is very, very far back. And the abilities that I have on his card is for him to deal with whatever's coming to mess with him. Sure. Um, and that is because I think you can play this crew in two halves, which we'll talk about the models later, but essentially you send your beaters forward and you have Dreamer, Serena, and the Daydreams who all dictate play further back as your anchor. So... I think even though he's got the shorter range, you, that 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 diversion's great, but it's more to deal with the the idiot that comes and tries to beat him up, so he can at least switch something off. You know, if it's like a beta master or something who's got a nice trick. Sure. Um, is it Colette who can swallow a sword as a bonus action? Just turning that off is amazing. Well, yeah, but you've, you've got stuff like um, Lady Jade that has the extra attack trigger on her leap. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's that's quite important. It's worth saying with the Your Nightmare ability as well, he can get heals off that and also teleport Chompy with a mask. You're going to see masks come up a lot. A major weakness of Dreamer is if you attack the suits, like rake the eyes and abilities like that. If you can get rid of masks or make him burn stones, it, you're relying on one quarter of that deck for a lot of your triggers. I mean, hell, Counterspell's pretty nasty against him as well because I don't... Does the crew have a lot of card draw? Not really, because you're just relying on horrendous flips. So Counterspell is quite nice against him as well, because that will stop you doing your uh, triggers. Yeah, 100%. I think think it's Dreamer who has triggers that are more valuable than actually the rest of the models in the crew. I'd say only maybe Serena, Mm -hmm. who has triggers that you really want to hit. I think for Dreamer, most of the time, he wants to get one of these nice triggers off. For everybody else, they're just happy to do the damage. Yeah. Um, But it's worth saying, stat six across the board on his actions is nice. Yes, 100%. And uh, as we said, the ability to kind of target one or the other makes him pretty hefty. But I think, yeah, to answer your question, I think he's right at the back. I think you can play him more aggressively. And I'm sure in the American meta, 
you can probably bring him forward a little bit with the the safety blanket of having another master nearby to look after him. But or even a couple of a uh, couple of things nearby to throw attacks onto anyway. Yeah, but I think as you'll see, like you want him within a move and four inches to kind of get the shuffle and the shielded out. So he wants to be within six of where something is happening, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the main scrum at the front. Yeah, because um, the problem is where I think Tom is coming from is that we have to remember that even though he has got protected nightmare, he doesn't want to get rid of his cards too quickly because he doesn't have a lot of draw. So yeah. he can't great, but if you've got focus, that gets that gets you just to a straight. And in court, you can get around it. And at the end of the day, he's only got seven health. So the further you are forward, the more likely you're going to get jumped on by something that can get past his defences. And then it's... <coughs> Ma took it. Ma took it. Yeah, but you know what? Levy. Like, Levy... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Irreducible damage, yeah. Murder Dreamer. Yeah, because yeah. you just go, well, I'll just channel, so screw your serene countenance. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, It's I worth saying as well that I think, I think Dreamer... Dreamer wants to activate very early in the turn, and I always regret when I don't activate him early. But Courtney hit the nail on the head. If if he can't activate yet because it's not the right time, you as the Dreamer player want to hold on to your cards, and that's a huge boon for the opponent going in because, yes, Dreamer can make the deck very hot. He can't predict when it's going to be a mask. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no intuition. There's no way of looking at it. And actually, it's probably worth me saying that I always equip Dreamer with the Agent Pact um, upgrade. Which a lot of people do weird things with this. They sometimes put it on the daydreams and that to get the. It basically gives you plus one to the initiative flip, which is nice. But it basically has a void doom, which if you flip the black joker, you ignore it and you flip a new card, which is mm. absolutely essential for that summon. Yes, yes, 100%. you it, you know you have to take it. It's two sto- stones. That I think you have to put on Dreamer mm. because I think just me- a quick. Uh, I was going to say just a quick complete side note here, but for anyone struggling with remembering what to summon. Uh, if you're a member of a weird place on Facebook, if you go on the files section in there, uh, there's someone uh, I've forgotten the it's name. It's bigpat.net who have got all the cards. Yeah, I think it's made by Trisha Waddle. Who Trisha Waddle, them. that's it. Yeah, and it's got a complete guide of exactly what you need to flip, what you can summon with each. And it's not just for Dream; it's for every summoner master out yeah. there. I, I've printed off the summer one. I use it all the time. Kirai's on there. Yeah, biggerhat.net. Really You'll find it in the uh, the resources bit at the top. Um, so yeah, that that. That's our little boy. He's uh, he's definitely tasty. He's got a lot of variety. He feel he feeds that Swiss Army knife kind of thing. Yeah. Um, let's talk about his his pets, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> well, his big pet or uh, his little? Pet? I don't know who's the pet actually in this scenario. Law wise, Dreamer's the pet, I suppose. Yeah. Um, no, law wise, Chompy's his little bitch. Well, I don't know. Is Chompy not grooming him for when he eventually breaks and uh, can yeah, steal all that? Yeah, but Dreamer pet? can. Dreamer can control Chompy, and, and Chompy's a bit scared of how Dreamer can this control This is like him. Pandora with despair all over hey, again, isn't it? Hey, yeah, yeah. Who's the bitch? Write in the comments, please. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is Courtney. <laughs> so, Lord Lord Chompus, then. Uh, just the best yeah. the best model. Lord Chompy bits. Big ass demon. It's the demon. best name, isn't it? It's, oh. He's just great. Um, he is a totem, but he's also a henchman, so he can use soul stones, and that is critical because the boy will take a beating um he's technically eight stones but that obviously doesn't matter as a totem he's eight hp defense five willpower seven which is tasty uh movement six which is also tasty because I mean, he's got two inch melee um size four obviously he's as big as a freaking tank he is um he is massive especially if you've got hench mm. chompy the new one <laughs> 
Oh my I God, mean, you've seen the old Chompy, like the, the like the special edition one. Where, yeah, uh, yeah. Let's see, I like the older ones. I don't like rubber glove Chompy or whatever it is. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry for everyone who's bought that model. Like, somebody, somebody had to make that uh, painting, and they're just wearing <laughs> it. Yeah. Need to make it. Just look at the artwork. He's got a rubber. He's got a yeah, gold Bloody Chompy. <laughs> So, Chompy's here to do the dishes. <laughs> so Chompy ticks a lot of the other boxes of what we've talked about with the crew. So essentially he has Regen 2, which a lot of models in this crew have Regen. He has Terrifying. He has Terrifying 12. So he's not quite Pandora scary, being a giant beast, but he's scary. Um, he's got Feed on Fear, which we said that if you know fail the duel in engagement, the willpower, you heal one. Um, and he's got Nightmare, which doesn't matter too much. It just means in Henchman Hardcore and things like that, he loses his totem ability, which is irrelevant for the, what we're talking about. Would you not um, take uh, Chompy as your master? in a? No, in the only game? Neverborn henchman that's worthy as a master is Hinamatsu, I would say. I think that's <laughs> conventional Carver. wisdom. Yeah. Um, Carver, 100%. Yeah, I think if your Henchman Hardcore is literally taking a hammer and hardcorely beating the henchman with it, Carver is 100% your choice. But we'll talk about him later. Don't worry. He's great. Um, so Chompy then is basically a move six, two-inch melee range beater. Um, he's got a pair of bonus actions, which you have to choose each turn. Trail of Gore, which is really good at taking your opponent off guard. He basically removes an enemy scheme marker, and you can either do a close combat attack or a walk. Considering he's on the front lines, you'd be surprised how many times the opponents forget about that. But the one I'd rather talk about is Lucid Dream. And I'd rather Courtney talk about it because it will feed my soul with the sadness that he will speak. <laughs> I hate this bloody ability. I really do. So this is, I think personally, this is the, the thing that makes a Dreamer as strong as he is. I mean, Tom mm. disagree with me on that, but I think this is... No, I 100% agree. <laughs> well, essentially what it is, is uh, you don't need a, a flip or anything. You just uh, reveal the top three cards of the model's fake deck, and then you choose uh, one of them and then remove it from the game, and then discard the other ones. So, essentially... It can't be a Joker, it's worth saying. Oh, yeah, sorry, non-Joker, it can't be true. It has to be a non-Joker. So, essentially, what you're looking for is you're looking for your low cards, you're looking for your ones, your twos, your threes, because you, you can get them out of your deck, and then you don't need to worry about ever flipping them again. Yeah, if in doubt, anything is six or below, get rid of. Yes. That That's the general rule of thumb. You might get the odd, really awkward flip where you flip high things, but don't worry, because the stitch together can bring it back in. Yes. Um, we'll talk it. about that later but essentially yeah Courtney spot and you want to remove as many weak cards as you can and the list that I've just quoted you've got Chompy, two daydreams uh, a stitch to all have that ability innately so that's four and let's imagine you summon two models every other turn or something you're potentially using this ability six or seven times a turn mm-hmm. so this is the point I was going to make just on its own it doesn't look so great but when you've got like what six upwards models doing it every turn you're starting to get at the end of turn four it's half the deck pretty much yeah and that's why the games don't last past turn four a lot of the time because someone will look at all those cards that have been removed and just be like oh okay you're not flipping anything weak Mm -hmm. um so yeah this lucid dream is it's one of the strongest abilities in the game and it is dreamer's primary mechanic and it is something you have to finely balance. There's a lot of chat that I see sometimes in groups who will take uh, more beat-orientated and more scheming-orientated and they'll kind of neglect maybe the Lucid Dream models. I think you start with the Lucid Dream models. Um, I think it builds from your daydreams upwards and we'll talk about why they're good in a little bit. 
Uh, Chompy comes with Twist Reality, because of course he does. So here's his stat six as well. He has the On Your Heels trigger. So it's another way for him to teleport around the board. So on a mask, again, um, he puts himself in base contact with whatever he's just shot. So you've got Dreamer who can summon Chompy. You've got Chompy who can push himself. It basically means that if you've got an enemy scheme runner who breaks the lines with the right card, and bear in mind he's a henchman, he can stone for it, you can get stuck in. And being the fact that you can target defense or willpower, you can usually guarantee that you'll get this off if you've got a decent card in your hand. And then he's got his uh, close combat, which, you know, Chris, I'll let you talk through this. It's, it's probably standard of what it's always been, I'd imagine. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's pretty disgusting, really. Two-inch melee range, like we said. Stat six against defense, uh, pretty decent, really. Three, four, six damage. That six at the top end is unreal, really, especially when you're only flipping moderates and severes, like Tom said, towards the end of the game. Uh, for the ramp, he's got tear off a bite, so this model heals two, bearing in mind he's already healing two when he activates. And when you fail willpower uh, jewels, he's healing one And well. when you fail willpower jewels. So he's only got eight wounds, Chompy. I don't know if, if you mentioned that, which doesn't seem like much, but with all this healing, he's potentially healing at least four or five on his activation, really, sometimes. He goes down like uh, a sack of spuds, sadly, though. With, with sustained pressure, oh, he yeah. will die quickly. Because he's not incorporeal. Or no, no he needs those stones. It's him being a henchman, I think, is yeah. the defense. That's the main thing. And the, the terrifying is a, not a big defense, but it kind of is when if you fail it, then someone's coming out and he's healing and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Because if you pass it, you might be wasting a decent card. Yeah, I would. Um, what I want to say um, is a lot of times when I played Tom and I played somebody else as well, they'll always say, Lord Chompy Bits isn't the thing to focus on. Right? No. That's always a big thing. But the thing is with Lord Chompy Bits is that is the thing that always gets me. Because even though he's only had eight health, he's that two inch range, and how how quick the crew can be with the amount of pushes that they've got, he could be yeah. in your on your side turn two, and he, he's over the halfway line turn oh, one, and we'll talk yeah, about that. that, you know. And th- that's the thing is you when you've got that, and you also have if you have like Teddy as well, or um, um, knock off Cthulhu. Capellius. Capellius. Having a model, it doesn't matter that he might only have eight health or whatever, because having a model that's getting everything engaged, it's just, Mm. and he's he's a henchman as well, so he's using them stones. It's so good. He is always the one that screws me, that knocks me over. I can can get rid of Teddy, I can get rid of um, Squidward. But I can't get. But Lord Chompy Bits is always the one that's that's there to to ruin my day, and that execute trigger is really nice as well. It's worth building on that that you can mitigate some of that weakness because he does go down very quickly. But if you give him the Inhuman Reflexes upgrade, which I always tend to, yes. he gets Scamper. Exactly. This is another thing as well. Scamper lets you get just get some lets them walk around. And get closer to you anyway. And do you get blood rush? Tie up more things. Or get towards scheme markers so he gets a free attack. Yeah, do you get blood rush with that as well? You do get blade rush with that. I mean, he's on a big base. It's hard to get it over many. It's not like Hinamatsu where you can yeah. go down an entire line. But I I think that Chompy is is fantastic. Um, as, well, as well as Tolton's goal, I think he's great. And he's definitely a threat, a very big threat. Something your opponent has to consider. Oh, yeah. I think it's probably worth like saying at this stage that like Chompy and Dreamer together, 
they still have that. Like, you know, Chris was talking about that tag team mechanic. There is that kind of synergy, but you can let Chompy just go and yeah. just wreck house. Um, you've mentioned Capellius, Courtney, so we can probably bounce on to him. Squidward, as we're going to call him now. Yeah. <laughs> um, Capellius is an interesting one. He pairs with Teddy, who we'll talk about in a second. Um, he's a weird model, Capellius, in terms of he's very good, but he doesn't fit. He's almost like Marlena is with Levy, that he kind of does his own weird thing that kind of feeds in with the crew and kind of doesn't. Um, so Capellius then, he's an enforcer, and this is the problem with Dream a little bit. Some of your most valuable models are enforcers, they're not henchmen. Um, so he's a nine soul stone enforcer. He's defense five, willpower six, movement seven. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Size two, nine HP with regen one and terrifying 11. So he's okay on defense and HP. He's got the feed on fear, but perhaps the best thing on the front of his card is that he's agile. So he can walk out of opponent's melee ranges, which makes him a phenomenal late gain schemer. That he can get into combat. If the combat is unpleasant, he can walk seven inches away and drop a scheme marker. And he doesn't really have to worry about that. It just happens. Um, so he's not worrying about the disengage action, which makes him very, very good and very, very quick. It also means in early turns that actually he can take an action and then still move and do other things. So on the back of his card, his bonus action is called Frightening Reminder, which I think we've seen a lot of times. It's stat 7, needing a 10, so you only need a 3. And basically he can push another friendly model 4 inches directly away from him. So when I deploy him, I deploy him straight behind Teddy. And Dreamer goes first, he moves everyone two inches up, gives them shielded, and then Capellius chucks Teddy another four inches forward. And Capellius still has two AP then. He can either move 14 inches or <laughs> or he can do other things with that. And, um, you know, the front of his card's pretty good, but I'll let you guys take that. Um, Courtney, do you want to go with Deadly Claws? Because I think that's his signature thing, really. Yeah, so Deadly Claws is a one-inch range, uh, stat seven, fantastic, uh, with a crowing built, uh, which is very important, which we'll see in a minute. Uh, resist against tri- defense. Target suffers two, four, five damage. Now, he's got two fantastic triggers. He has uh, Puncture, which is always really useful, especially when you have a high damage track. Uh, Puncture can mm-hmm. come in clutch. But Ah, My Eye is the probably the, the one that you're going to go with most of the yes, time. Yes, it's the built-in one. Uh, because well, it gives you plus one damage, so it's pretty much like um, critical strike for a lot, of, a lot of times. You don't have that extra ram. But you also, it pushes... Um, three inches away from this model. So you can actually push them out of your um, engagement if you want to. Yeah, three, five, six in a reposition on your opponent is quite nice. Yes. I mean, it'd be, yeah, it's it's fantastic. I mean, the actual damage that I can do, that model can do is great. And the fact that, like you said, you can push them away and then you could just go, oh, right, well, no, I'm going to interact because you're I'm, I'm not engaged anymore. Um, I do think that uh, Capellius is quite versatile in that respect. Unhinge as well, if um, you don't mind me doing this one. No, go for it, mate. This is your token willpower duel that every model needs to have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Eight-inch range, which is a thing that I'm seeing at what end of the models. They're all pretty much eight inches uh, when it comes to their uh, attacks. Uh, Stats six, willpower. Target surface damage equal to the number of friendly nightmare models within three inches of itself, not including him because it is a pulse. Then every friendly friend, then every friendly nightmare model within three inches, again not including him because it's a pulse of the target heals one. There's no. Upper... It includes Capellius. The heal is a Capellius. The oh, yeah, yeah. damage. 
Okay, sure. Sorry, I apologise. Yeah, but the nightmare includes Capellius as well, though, because the pulse comes from the model you're targeting. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I apologise on that one. So you'll take at least one damage and heal Capellius if it's only Capellius Yeah, there's one point I want to make with this is that there's no upper limit. So a lot of times we see abilities like this, no. you'll say max five or something like that. I, I don't know what the potential is of getting like five model nightmare models around the target. <laughs> I'm sure you can do it. But it's, it's, it's so thematic, the idea yeah. of that. Just loads of little things around it and Capellius just unhinges. Yeah, exactly. it, it was a model on the master. If, you, if you've made a master who's activated oh, yeah. fail a willpower duel and an Alp has summoned in, and we'll talk about the Alps in a minute, that they can get a free smack. And Chompy's engaging it and Teddy's engaging it. They've both got two-inch melee ranges. Remember, it's just within range of three. Yeah, The thing is going to suffer. And Capellius can also yeah. do this and then charge into it. He can, yeah. Um or if he stood next to it, he could do it and then just walk seven inches well, away. The, the funnier part is, is if Dreamer's already summoned something in and you've got a few models nearby, Capellius will trigger this, do the damage. Obviously, the thing gets summoned in afterwards, so it doesn't do the damage and the healing for that. But then he'll charge yeah. in and basically whatever's left is going to have a very, very hard time getting out of that. <laughs> mm. Mm. Um, I just want to point out the trigger on that as well. Blanks there. Discard a card, target gain slow and must discard a card. I don't know... You probably want there are situations where you want to do that, but I feel like a card is a valuable resource for Dreamer. So unless you've got a, a low card in your hand that you just you know you don't not bothered with, I don't know whether you want to take that trigger now now and again because it's, no, it's one of those when you flip it, you have to make the choice there and then. Really, yeah. it's it's not you don't go looking for it. No, no, no. Um, um, and then you've got Whispered Truths, which Chris, do you want to go through this? Yeah, yeah, so it's a it's a three inch pulse. That's seven target number twelve. So you only need a five for it to go off. Uh, every enemy model in range must pass a target number thirteen willpower duel or gain slow. So it's another willpower duel for everyone to fail with a mask trigger. Shifting sands drop a scheme marker into base contact with every enemy scheme marker within three inches. Then remove every enemy scheme marker within three inches. So it's a proper bit of denial tech as well. That one. Uh, shame it's not on a bonus really, but. Um, I think frightening remand is good enough for his bonus. To be honest, with yeah, hundred percent. I think I think Capellius's main strength is his maneuverability and flexibility, and this is where the Swiss Army knife comes in. That he is quite a nasty yeah. beater, but he's also lightning quick. So if you deploy him, like I said, you start the game nearby to the crew, but everything's halfway up the board anyway. Quite quickly, he can just go and take a wing himself. You know, it's only yeah. really something like ashes and dust that's going to cause him any trouble. Anything else is going to either get beaten or pushed away. Um, oh, you need something big on it. Yeah, you need yeah, something to, big to, with a demise ability, <laughs> essentially. That, that's yeah. the only thing that he really won't like to deal with. Um, but he's so quick and he can move away from them. He's very good for things like sabotage or spread them out because mm. that seven-inch move, he just he puts the scheme marker where you need it. Now, if he goes against something that can do a, a, a moderate nasty damage, then he'll die to a swift breeze because he's not a henchman. And he'll be too far away from your healing hub, which is Serena Bowman, which we'll talk about, you know, as we go through the expanded boxes. So he's he's nice. Don't expect him to live. No, yeah. Um, and your opponent will probably single him out. As soon as he breaks from the pack, he'll be a tasty target for whatever your opponent's nice wing anti-scheme model is. But he's still terrifying 11, and he's still regenerating one every time he acts. He is. Well. In my so experience, the regen one will not keep him alive. No. And he won't be, and no, he won't no. be in combat to benefit from feed on fear, because he'll charge in and then go do something else later. Um, yeah. But he's, he's never ranged ruthless, then Coppolis will go down. 
Yeah, and he has problems against other Neverborn models because even though he's quite good in terms of his like general stats, Willpower Six is manipulatable um, from mm. others. Like you know, Pandora can really make Capellius hurt himself a lot. You can match it a lot of the time, can't you? Not necessarily beat it. But yeah, but it's more it things like self-loathing. Self-loathing ruins Capellius. Yeah. If, if you can get it off, he really doesn't like his own trigger pushing him away. <laughs> you know, if you get the 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 bonus that you get with Pandora, he just doesn't like taking two, four, five damage as well. A decent flip will like you know basically well, yeah. half his health. Um, so in second edition, he um, I don't remember exactly what his stats were, but his main stick was he'd pluck out eyeballs, and you'd get like eyeball tokens. So you'd literally end up with a bag full of eyeballs, and you could eat these eyeballs then. So like, I can't remember if you added suits or added like plus flips or whatever, but the. But the theme was you'd just pluck models' eyeballs out, stuff them in a bag, and then eat them to, to power up all the time. It was disgustingly Well, that's amazing. it, because the mini just has Such this like little thing. chest of eyeballs, whichever one you've got, that he's kind of like leaning over. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't really got... explain it, but if, you, if you're new in second edition, yeah, he was plucking out eyeballs and eating them to gain power. It was, it was just horrible to play against thematically yeah. more than anything. I mean, the new model's got a man bag with eyeballs, so... The sculpting needed uh, needed a second look there. Mind you, speaking of which, though, we can talk about the Alps, which have got gorgeous new sculpts. The old yeah, ones are the very Alps thematic are with their cigars or whatever <laughs> they've got, but I like <laughs> these new ones. Like little gangsters, like, hey, yeah. we're out. Yeah, it literally <laughs> is. It's like, oh, what's, the, what's the, the little kid's version of like Al Capone, the, the film? Bugsy uh, Malone, was it? Bugsy yeah. Malone. So, yeah. um, anyway. <laughs> You're sure. The Alps are interesting because they will want to be something you summon in. I don't take any up from the start, and I don't think anyone does because they like to be summoned because they have abilities that are specifically triggered when they're summoned, when they uh, uh, unbury, shall we say. So you get three in the core box. They're always going to be at the side of the board. They're going to be relatively straightforward to summon. So I think you need a nine and a mask to summon one. Um, you need the Red Joker to summon two, but essentially from 12 upwards, you can summon like an Alp and a Daydream, which is quite a nice flex that you can bring in. Um, they're quite interesting in the sense that, obviously, they when they're summoned, they come in stuns. So they won't be able to use their triggers. And they have some relatively nice triggers, but you can just activate them and take that away. Mm. I think it's worth saying as we go through, Dreamer really doesn't care about giving the opponents pass tokens. Like, unless it's someone who can do something with pass tokens, like, is it, who's got leverage? Is it King Gong, who've got yeah, the leverage ability? Or unless it's someone like Tara, who's got Ionis, who wants to just rinse pass tokens and be up on activations, you don't really care about giving your opponent them. Was it Levy who draws a card as well every time someone's been? No, that's think Lucius. So. That's Lucius, yeah. No, Lucius, sorry, yeah, Lucius, yeah. So the Alp is, is your average model. It's a five soulstone model. It's five health. It's got five defense, five willpower, five move. It's size two. It's got the feed on fear, which is the healing when you know you fail a willpower duel. But it's got more interesting abilities. So you summon this in. You can summon it to five things with Dreamer. So you want to summon at least one or two of these things over the course of the game. And essentially, it's got bad dreams. So when it's unburied, so when someone fails a willpower duel and you choose to unbury the Alp in contact with it, every model in base contact with it immediately suffers one damage. So it's an immediate pop-out scratch. Secondly, it then gets to use its once per activation ability, which is after this model is placed, it may take a claw action after resolving the current action. So you can interrupt your opponent's turn because wow. when they attack you and fail a terrifying test, for example, 
you then get to kind of pop in and annoy them, which is quite a tasty ability. And it, it's, a, it's attack action isn't bad. It's not great. But it gives you the ability to kind of pop out and give something a slap. So the imaginary cause is stat 5 versus defense, but it has 1, 3, 4 damage. If there's anything else buried, you get a positive flip. So it's not often going to be happening because the Alp is usually the last thing that pops out because you want some things to actually come out earlier than the Alp. But the triggers aren't bad. It's got Puncture, Grab On, and Siphon Essence. So it's either doing extra damage, slowing something, or it's getting a Soul Stone if it gets a kill. Mm. But it's just a free slap, which is which is yeah. quite nice, you know, because of that. And also, when it's near to an opponent, it's got natural musks. Any models within a 2 inch aura suffer a minus to all their damage flips. Yeah, I was which... looking at that. I think that proves your point more that it's an interrupt because if they feel that's terrifying and they've got another action, well, sad news for you, you're on minus flip now because of that alp. Yeah, it's like you've taken a damage, it's going to slap you after this, and then you're on negative damage flips. Yes. It, it is all about this unburied. Now, I will be honest, I always forget the natural musk. When the alp has been set, I'll remember it at the turn it's activated. When it's just sat there, I will forget so much. I would make a note if you're playing Dreamer and just have that. You probably want one or two about these things, but that's one that tends to be often forgotten because that two-inch aura can actually affect a lot of things. Um, Because, you know, 30 mil base, it's not huge, but it's enough if it's been summoned into the crowd and you do want the out to just drop in, like you want it to paratrooper right in the middle of the opponent's crew. There's no point at popping out next to a scheme runner unless it's going to score points. You want it to just be an annoyance. It's a pure annoyance model. Um, and because of that, it's even got Biting Insult, which I don't think is on anyone else's cards, but it's a stat 5, 6-inch range against willpower, because everything has to have a willpower attack. Um, but basically, enemy only target gains Distractive, plus 1. And if it hasn't activated yet, the target, you get a pass token. <laughs> so you can kind of play your opponent at the pass token game a little bit more. Yeah, um, It's not great. It's just there to be an annoyance. But um, again, it's got Lucid Dream. So, again, once it's summoned, it's contributing to that removal of cards, which is, again, very, very valuable. Um, I don't think you take them to start with, as we said. I don't think that's a common thing because they've got so much upside to summoning that I can't see any reason you put them in the list to start with. They're not quick enough, really. Any thoughts, gents? No, the Alp is um, is really good. Um, He's definitely definitely one of the minions that I would consider um, I don't like to see. (laughs) Ready, basically in the drop ship. You don't uh, like the queue. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't really <laughs> like it when he's got his parachute on, ready to uh, drop out onto my uh, models. Uh, I don't like seeing it because, again, uh, even though you keep forgetting that natural mosque, it gives you a whack. He just seems really nice to have against um, against something that is a big beater. Uh, pop this next to him, and then they, they sort of lose the smile a bit. So, yeah, I think the Alps are pretty nice. But, yeah, I wouldn't ever take one um, in your initial list. You definitely want to summon them in. Yeah, definitely. And the new miniatures for them are great. There's a really yeah, nice theme. They're beautiful. Um, Chris, anything you want to add in? What were these guys like before? Um, cheeky little bugs of alone <laughs> things. No, I don't remember them much in, in second edition, the Alps. Again, they were just your token summon, as far as I remember. That um, bad dreams, unburying and taking one damage, that's just a, a great... That's It's like a Pandora thing, really. You're basically taking a damage for failing the willpower yeah. jump. But then the free slap as well. Stat fives, not bad. It's uh, not bad at all, really. Most things will be defense five. It's or a free six, damage. So, it know, could potentially just do another swipe. and So it's a free two damage when it unburies, potentially, if it goes through. It, it depends what the willpower duel is that the opponent's faced yeah. as well, because if it's 
if it if it's failed a willpower draw where it's gained stunned or something like that, and then you get a cheeky alp in there doing horrible things, it's um, yeah, you, you're never hiring them. They are just sitting on the sidelines, and they are better summoned on your opponent's terms. People. Like that, that's one thing we'll say with Dream. You have to learn when to summon things and when to let it go. Alps are always better summoned yeah. on your opponent's turn. Just because, again, going back to that psychology play, I don't want to sound like I'm going into some sort of evil mastermind. It's an annoyance for your opponent. If they're <laughs> halfway through a big activation or an activation at all, and you interrupt it and something turns up, slaps them, punches them, you make them do a defensive flip. It puts them on the back foot. Yeah, especially if they've lined up those cards by... Um, is it yeah. intuition? Look at the top three cards of the deck, something like that. If you suddenly interrupt those top three cards and they don't know what's coming next, that can really mess up. Yeah, it's an annoyance for a master as well, who's maybe you've had to sit and think about what you want to do, and all of a sudden you can't shoot and walk away, or all of a sudden you can't disengage, then do this because this thing turns up. Yeah. Um, it's a pain in the neck, shall we say? But uh, yeah, that brings us to the end of the core box. I think this is probably it's going to be a longer episode, this one, because there's so much. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, I yeah. think it's probably time for a tactical uh, a tactical message from our sponsors, shall we say? Yeah. yeah. So see, uh, see what Chris has for us. <laughs> see you in a bit. again another fantastic um advert uh, yeah thanks for that chris um <laughs> so um what we're we talking about this time tom let's move the away from we're that. never gonna get proper sponsors if these get yeah. worse. <laughs> well we've got the first box out of the way i i instinctively want to just jump and talk about serena but we're gonna stick and behave ourselves and go box by box now dreamer obviously does come with an investment because he's a summoner um, so we're going to go with the deep sleep, the deep slip box, which uh, is your stitch together in your daydreams. You get three of each. 
Um, I'm going to start with the daydreams because I think the daydreams are actually things you want to start the game with. Now, some Dreamer players like to take all three. Some Dreamer players like to put Ancient Pact on them. I'm quite happy starting with two, and if the third happens to turn up, it's a, it's a nice bonus. Mm. Um, weirdly, I think they're like the most important models outside of Dreamer in the faction. Really? Which I feel might lose all my street cred or make all my street cred. I'm not sure exactly how that works. Um, they're pretty terrible. They're, you know, three soul stones. They're four defense, four willpower. They're movement six, which is important. Um, three health, incorporeal, insignificant. They just exist. They do interestingly have accomplice, which I always forget they have, which in some games, some very tight games, could be incredibly clutch yeah. because of their lead nightmare ability. Um, so lead nightmare is a stat ten tactical action needing a sorry stat five needing a ten so you need a five. It can't target the same model more than once per activation, and it's friendly nightmare only, so you only do it to yourself. You can move the target three inches. That is huge because if you combine it with the two inches that Dreamer gives them, the potential four inches that Capellius has given them, the fact that you might have two daydreams or three daydreams on the board, so that could be three, six, or nine if you keep doing it. Over a 10-inch range, you can really move your models across the board. And this is the motor that starts to get that going. So that accomplice, every once in a while, you can move something and then score a point very quickly if you need to get a scheme marker down before your opponent activates or you need to get a model off the board. Sure, yeah. Also, they've got the Lucid Dream, which is the remover card from play. So they are absolutely huge in terms of what they do for the rest of the crew. Oh, right, okay. They um, don't need to do a lot. They'll just sit next to Dreamer because basically they'll be his protected nightmare. But they've got the move six should they want to get up the yeah. field. It's, it's funny, though, because you said they were shit, but apparently they're really really important to the crew. Sorry, are like, you trying to go back onto last episode when you were saying <laughs> yeah, the... Uh... You just said exactly the same thing I said, but you know won't give you um, any shit for it. I did say they were crap. You did? You said No, I said they're weak. They never... Yeah. And that's Look, why I, I feel like you need to let this go to the You made a mistake. We yeah, all moved on. I said the exact same thing you did. But when I said it, everybody loses their minds. When you say, oh, yeah, it's Tom's. No, you said that they were shit and they weren't worth summoning. Yeah. yeah Tom said these were integral Look, to the I think, crew I think we can all clear this up. up. Courtney, what faction do you play? Resurrectionists. Then you deserve it. So... <laughs> <laughs> the daydreams. Resident Unite. Resident Unite, all three of them. Right, so daydreams then. This lean nightmare ability is fantastic because it can just move around everything on the board, which is really good. They do have Ben Reality, which is really interesting that they just have this random attack. Um, it's not quite Twist Reality, which is obviously the Dreamer version. It's like uh, you choose Defense or Willpower, but it doesn't ignore Friendly Fire. Um, it does have the rest of it, though. So it's 1, 2, 4 damage, ignoring armor incorporeal, which is hilarious later on in the turn or later on in the game when they flip the severe damage yeah. against something really nasty. Basically like um, the Aldi version of uh, Twist Reality. I have nothing bad. So you're giving all these terrible opinions today, Courtney. <laughs> don't, go, don't go knocking budget supermarkets. Hey, no, I'll tell you what, I shop at Aldi. But Courtney you know, hates when you peasants. See, Courtney when you hates see, the peasants. But when you see it, but <laughs> it makes me laugh every time I see it, I've got to be honest. 
Um, it's worth saying the Daydream models, the miniatures as well, are fantastic. This theme of these kind of miniatures is really nice. They are just huge. There's not much to say about them, but actually their importance on the battlefield is massive. And I think they're a pain in the neck to deal with because Dreamer can summon them for just pennies. Like, it's a seven to bring a normal Daydream in, but if you've got a ten, you can bring in two. So, or if you kill all of them, a 13 brings in three. So literally you can bring in combinations of better things with a daydream. So a 12 will get you an Alp and a daydream. A 13 will get you a Stitch and a daydream. A Red Joker will get you an Insidious Madness and a daydream. So you do need to kind of deal with them, but they're so far back on the battlefield because of that 10-inch range of lead nightmare. The It's not like Levy's waifs that, you know, you chip away and you feel like you've had like an achievement there. They really are just this kind of motor at the back moving things forward and just looking after dreamer i think like you say the fact you only take two keeping one in the bank is well worth it because if you have got that 13 of masks as you summon and you've already got three out there then you're only really bringing out an insidious madness or a stitch but if you've got one in the bank you're not wasting that 13 you can bring out the 13. yeah and it builds up that cue that we talked about and that psychological thing of like can i cheat this willpower or is it going to cause me trouble at the end of the day it pops out it doesn't do much damage to you but it's still an annoyance and it's worth saying that with their ben reality unlike twist reality this isn't a shooting action this is just yes. a range eight ability, so they can teleport in combat and they can get this off. Exactly, and they can get it gets around. Um, is it cover? Um, it yeah, yeah, they won't get the cover defense. Yeah. Well, I think you, you, for yeah. cover you get plus one defense, then it's minus to the damage flips. Is it? I think the yeah, damage flip minus yeah, still yeah. happens, but I don't think no, 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 you can choose to go against willpower. It only works against uh, gun actions. Ah, okay, there you go then. Yeah, covers only gun actions, yeah. Concealment's anything yes, else. Well, yeah, covers, covers so yeah, it gets around yeah. that as well. So it's a really good ability just to have on a three soulstone model. Like I said, they're not going to be lighting the world on fire, but you will, if in doubt, activate a daydream. Like if Dream is already gone, just get a daydream to go, just move something, just get three cards out your deck and remove one of them, you know, just keep the engine going. And this is where the synergy will start to come in with the Stitch together, who will transition to now that... Every once in a while when you're doing this lucid dream, you'll flip like two 13s and a 10 or something. Just chuck the 13 because the wonderful Stitch Together, who also come in the box, which sadly I didn't get to play when they were completely broken as hell at the start of the edition because I hadn't picked up Dreamer. Um, <laughs> I played against them then. Yeah, they, they, I, I think if anyone was abusing that, they should feel bad about it because it was very good. But anyway, Stitch Together are the one model that I think of that can bring cards back into the game. Um, there are six Stolestone model. I only take one. You can see arguments to taking two, but they're easy enough to summon. Um, it's not a lot to bring one in. You're basically looking at a 10 or above to get hold of one. So they're not breaking the bank too much. They're stat five across the board, which is better than they used to be. I think they used to have like defense six for some random reason. Um, but the point that I'm talking about here is they have uh, Six HP, and we'll go. We'll, basically, none of this matters. The main thing that matters is that they have two abilities. One is called Gamble Your Life, and the other one is called Fiendish Gamble. Um, and this is what a Stitch Together does. So, Gamble Your Life is a range six, stat six, TN 13 willpower duel. Uh, enemy only. If this action fails, the Stitch Together takes the effects as if it was the defending model. Uh, target suffers three, four, five damage, and it has a trigger that if you kill and get it, you can draw a card. But it's not built in anymore. But basically, three, four, five damage if so the opponent fails that willpower duel. However, fiendish gamble on the front of the card is a once per activation ability that when this model would cheat fate, it can instead choose a card 
that its controller has removed from the game and place it into the conflict. So you can take that 13 you've removed and you can put that down instead. Now, it doesn't work if you're on a negative flip because obviously you can't cheat. But nine times out of ten, you are picking something, you're winning that duel, and then you're making sure that your relatively hot deck will hit that four or that five. It's not game-breaking, but it hurts. And you can gamble your life more than once a turn. So if you've got a 13 in your hand and you've got a 13 removed from the deck, it's worth taking that risk. Yeah. Now, the only backfire is if your opponent flips a red joker and you flip something rubbish because you exactly. can't cheat because then you're a sad panda. That's a gamble, though. But um, it's gamble. very, very good. And th- that's what the Stitch Together exists to do. Now, the six-inch range means it has to kind of be moving up the field, but we know that's not much of an issue. The other good thing is if you've removed more cards from play that you'd like, good ones that maybe like nines or tens because you've had an awkward three cards, it can do that on a defensive flip outside of its activations. It's once per activation, not once per stitched activation. So if it's being attacked by someone and it can cheat it, it can cheat that good card back into your deck. So this mitigates that a little bit. And I'd say a stitch together is often a priority for summoning. I think... Turn one, if you can, you want a stitch to an Alp. In the first two turns, you want a stitch and an Alp ready to go. Um, the Alp sits back and bolsters some of the attacks and is there just to be an annoyance. The stitch together you could do with getting out on the board when appropriate. The stitch does not get summoned into a crowd because it's defense five will not keep it alive enough. It's got armor one. It's got the feed on fear ability so it can heal. Um, but realistically, that's it. Its other abilities are tied to it doing damage. So it's got a sharp claw ability, which is like a stat 5, 2, 3, 4 attack. It's got some okay triggers. Like the, the drink blood trigger is amazing. It can heal whatever the damage is. And it's got rake the eyes, which is ironically one of the weaknesses that Dreamer has that you can kind of make your opponent reveal the top three cards once you've announced the suit and then you put it down whatever all you want. But its front of its card links more to that. So it's got bloated stench. So any model that suffers damage from a claw action. So when the stitched suffers damage from a claw action, the attacking model gains poison plus one. And after a stitch kills an enemy model with the sharp claws, it heals two. Incidental, I would say, Courtney, in terms of when that comes into play. I don't really. I, don't, I personally don't use the stitch's close combat attack much. Yeah, exactly. I think it's more of a. Um... If I've got you into, if I've got into close combat, and you don't want to risk that gamble your life, you have that as an option as a thingy. I think it's more of the more of the big thing is that it's their engagement. It's a one inch engagement which can come in useful in certain situations. Yeah, I think what makes the stitch very good is that it also has lucid dream, so it's another model yeah. that can remove cards from play. So it can do it on its own activation. So if you've not got a hot card, you can potentially lucid dream first as your bonus. And then start to fish for that higher card for your cheating. Yes. Obviously, it's worth saying that if you're thinking about this, that potentially turning off Dreamer's bonus actions with distraction is probably a very good move because <laughs> you turn <laughs> off all this lucid dreaming. Um, yeah, that's a big count. Who's got that, though? Is there much in Bayou? That is, is, is there 12 cups of coffee? 12 cups of coffee. <laughs> So maybe Zip just jumping into where Dreamer is and just being an annoyance and turning off everything within four inches, maybe? Just anything. Anything you can launch in there. Get Lenny to toss some up in there with 12 cups of coffee. I think that's that's definitely something that is a a counterplay. Um, Ma took it. it. 12 cups of coffee. Charging through everything together in the back line. So in terms of where this goes on the battlefield, the stitch is usually on the opposite flank to whatever Capellius is going on. 
Um, it's not quite the wing dominant thing, but your usual schema that's on the wing, your necropunks, your whatever it is, your sh- uh, showgirls and that, they aren't going to like Gamble Your Life. Um, they're not going to appreciate <laughs> people. Like you know, a severe will kill some scheme runners. Um, and bear in mind, if the stitch has been moved into position, it can gamble your life, then charge, which six inches on each, if you take into account the one inch melee that Courtney mentioned, potentially yeah. it, can, it can wipe the floor with some of these things. Um, especially if you've got a hot card that's been removed and you flip well for the gamble your life and your opponent doesn't, and you can keep that good card for the close combat attack. Um, it's worth saying again, gamble your life gets better the more the turns go on because the stronger your deck is, the less you're going to need that really high severe card, which you can then keep for the stitches defense or for the close combat attack that comes later. Counterplay, Courtney. Uh, so the thing is, is that like they have armor one, um, and they've got six health is pretty nice as well. Six six health for six costs, pretty nice. I think the counterplay is just to um, try and just put as much damage on them as you can as soon as you see them. Um, or just take something like an Exorcist or Vincent and just pop yeah. the bloody thing into... Um, back in the box. Yeah, back <laughs> in the box. It's been summoned in. Um, they're just a solid... They're really solid. They are, them and the Alps are the two uh, summons that I fear the most when I um, see them again. In, waiting in the queue. Are they up, <laughs> how high a priority is a stitched in terms of like dealing with, it, or is it just something that you've got bigger threats to deal it, with? It, if you've got like um, some high cards um, in your um, void deck, I guess um, I would say they're quite high. I, I I don't want them doing free guaranteed free damage against my stuff. Yeah. Um, which you know, if you've got those in your deck, it can happen. I mean, the nice. It does feel glorious when you win that gamble your life, and the stitch has to take the damage. That feels like a million bucks. Sods more the opponent like flips like a severe as well. <laughs> yeah. So, but generally speaking, yeah, the stitch is, is a high priority. You want to get rid of it. It's interesting you saying the word void because I know I say this every episode, but Dreamer hates Tara. Yeah, like glimpse the void which every one of them has on their attacks, which is a TN fourteen willpower jewel. None of them like that because like you go straight back to being buried, and when you're unburied, you go to the back of the board next to Dreamer because it unburies next to an enemy model. Like that's a really nasty counter, and unfortunately, Tara is also nerfed by gaining ground. Dreams. Say again. With the waking dreams, can't you choose to unbury them? When the enemy fell, ah, so you can rinse them back in. I hadn't thought of that. I like yeah, the idea of that counterplay yeah. of like, well, I buried you. Well, I'm going to come out here. Well, no, you're going to come out here. Um, I suppose it depends yeah. on, yeah, if you can force the willpower duel, I imagine the waking dreams before the opponent before the opponent before you, you activate yeah, it because it's based for Tara. It's when you activate, isn't it? Um, I like yeah. that. I like the idea of just like, no, you go, no, you go, no, you go. Um, it's got on an Alp though. If an Alp's activating and it gets and then it gets buried and then the opponent fails an willpower draw, you bring the Alp back out, cause one damage and then do another attack. Yeah. But it's already activated, so it gets around that. I think that's a that's a decent yeah. counter. I mean, you hope the nothing beast would have at the Alp in one slap by that stage. 
for the sign of the void. <laughs> probably. But it's probably. Um, so yeah, stitch together a great. Take one to start with. As you gain a bit more experience yeah. with them, then you can decide whether you want more. They don't need upgrades. They don't need. They're not going to last that long. You know, with as Courtney said, two big swings and they're dead. So. They're not a priority target, but they are a target. They do have a lot. Yeah, on it's their when head, it's turn so. three. They're not going to be within range to gamble your life really early because they're slightly behind the front line because yeah. other things are getting moved by the daydreams. But by turn three, they will start to, or I will start to as the player, but I'm saying the stitch, they'll start to fish for a target and you can quickly ascertain then how much of a problem that's going to be. Mm-hmm. So this deep sleep book box has a uh, two big motors of this, this crew, shall we say. Um, yeah. After that, realistically, there's only one other box that I think is absolutely crucial, and then I think you can flex whichever ones you want. So the other box that I think is crucial is the other big one. It's the Insomnia box. Uh, Insomnia comes with Serena Bowman and Three Insidious Madnesses, which are the last summon option. So it is the Somnia. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. The next advert's Look forward to it. So it's worth saying with this then. We'll do we'll do the do the insomnious madnesses because then we'll box off the summoning. Um these are Goes. Interesting, yeah. These are the worst model you will ever oh, yeah. have. Yeah, that's yeah, if you want well. to assemble the Insidious Madnesses, they will fully live up to their name. Oh, Jesus yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, two of them are so bad. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think there's a lot to talk about with these, but also not much. They're a weird model. So, essentially, in terms of summoning, you need 11 or more, because they're a seven soulstone model. So you're never bringing out two at once. At best, you're bringing out Red Joker, Insidious, and a Daydream. They are Defense 5, Willpower 5, Move 6, Size 2, 7 HP. Nice. They're the only model in the crew that can do something when it's buried, which is also nice. Um, So their main shtick is they're quite good, but they're not quite amazing. (laughs) And that seems to be where they sit. So I don't tend to bring one, but I can see the argument for taking one straight away. And I'm sure Courtney can talk us through this in a second. I'll let Courtney talk about their abilities. The only one I'm going to talk about is their disembodied voices. So as I mentioned, they can take an action when they're buried. Stat 5 needing a 10. This is awesome. So basically, this action can be taken when buried and can only target models within three inches of a friendly nightmare, ignoring, ignoring line of sight and range. Target ends its focus condition, if any, and gains distracted plus one. Screw you, guild. Yeah. Um, aside from that, they've got some interesting tech. So, Courtney, you said you wanted to talk about these. So I'm going to leave this to you, I think. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about it because of how bad they were put, put together. But, yeah, I do think they're quite useful in, in several ways as well. They're another source of lucid dreaming. Um, they've got six movement, which is pretty fast for whatever the hell that is. Um, defense five, willpower five, so it's average. Turn five, 11. They don't have Fear on Fear and the Wing Corp. Um, Spectral Bite is the attack action, which is a one-inch range, stat six, willpower, two, three, four, so it's okay. Targeting so, willpower is the main thing there. Yeah, which is the sort of yeah. willpower thing. Um, Siphon Life is a good trigger. It's always really nice to see because it's plus one damage and you get to heal. Uh, under Pressure... Uh, and another can be useful as well in certain schemes when you want to move stuff around and just want to kick them out of melee range. As Claim well. jump. Claim jump, yeah, is another good one. 
Uh, scatter, again, another useful ability. Very good, actually, in the current term GG scatter because uh, there's a lot of things that want you to be in base contact with stuff. Or research uh, mission and stuff like that where you yeah. want to have certain markers nearby. Exactly, and scatter um, can be quite nice for just sort of keeping them away from that. Yeah, it just um, happens. You don't flip for this. It's just a three-inch pulse and enemy models are pushed three inches away. Yeah. Do Which for ever... an incorporeal model, you can be janky with that. Mm. Do you ever really mm. want to take unbury them? Um, yes. They they are he- that stat six willpower jewel is nice. It's mm. it's a more bankable attack on a model that you don't mind activating early. Um I don't see they're good scheme runners, but I feel like I get more mileage out of my more expensive models like Capellius. I think if I was less pedal to the metal aggressive, I would probably start with an Insidious Madness. I think it's just come quite reckless with the way that I play. Mm. I think the Insidious Madness is the thinking man streamer's choice for a schema because Incorporeal Movement 6, Terrifying 11, it's a pain in the neck for things that are on the wing. And again, all it has to do is walk up and bite something and out pops out and it ties down that scheme runner. It, it's a very good counterplay to scheme runners, as Courtney said, with the ability to scatter, which just happens, and that kind of under-pressure ability. And it's another source of lucid dream. Um, where I think the Insidious Madness falls down is that whereas everything else has an amazing trick, such as the Daydream's Leap Nightmare, the um, Gamble Your Life on the... Uh, oh, I forgot the name. Brain's gone dead. The Stitch Together. Stitch um, Together. You know, those are headline abilities. I don't think the Insidious has a headline ability. It's just a very good seven soulstone model. It's the only incorporeal model, isn't As, it? So if you can uh, dreamer tank that up with, yeah, the only other sorry incorporeal model. But if you can um, tank that up with Dreamer's little push and give you um, shielded, then that's they're reducing two damage a turn. Then they can reduce down to zero. So that can mitigate a lot of small models that are trying to take them out. Another move six with all those pushes can be good as well. You know, you could lead Nightmare those and get them 10 inches up the board turn one. Then they are potentially to... And then they're scattering it. Yeah, in turn two, they're probably putting the scheme markers down on the halfway line or whatever they need to do, and then they can start doing work further up the field. I think a lot of Dreamers play with this particular list is penning your opponents in. You want to get them in a nice bit yeah. of terrain where half of their crew is and just go like, I'm just going to make a wall of models that you've got to get through. But it's not like, you know, Soma's very good with going, I'm literally going to make a physical wall of gremlins. For Dreamers, it's more like, yeah. I'm going to make a wall of models and they're going to punch you unless you get out of this situation. Um, and it's the punch that you don't particularly want with Dreamer. It is a beta crew. Whether it's a, a range beater or a, a close combat beater, it is a beat down crew. You will look to kill opponents rather than out-scheme them. Um, so they're interesting, the Insidious Madnesses. Um, the thing that you buy this box for, though, is the other model, which is uh, one Miss Serena Bowman, which, depending on who you ask within Neverborn, is either an auto-clued in every single list or a very nice tech pick. I would argue that she's a vital piece of the Neverborn puzzle because she's one of the few healers that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, she's good in every single Neverborn list, which is what makes her valuable. She's mm-hmm. brilliant with Dreamer, and she's not too bad with Pandora either because of her ability. So she's an enforcer, which isn't great. Uh, eight soul stones, that is great. It means that if you hire out of keyword, she's only nine, so she's better than Carver. 
But well, she's versatile, isn't she? She is she's versatile. versatile. She's versatile. same enough to worry about that. She's much better than Carver then. Anyway. <laughs> um, nah. Defense six, which is fantastic. Willpower five, move five, size two, eight HP. That is all window dressing because she's demise eternal. Mm-hmm. So she is once per turn. She can pitch a card to heal four when she would die. She's also disguised, so she can't be charged. Which, for a model that sits in the middle of the board and is your claim jump bot or your uh, whatever the other equivalent one is, where you put the scheme markers down, she's great. She's a pain to deal with. Uh, she's got feed on fear, which you'll rarely use. Um, the thing that makes her very, very good are the fact that she can arc her attacks through other models. So she's got horrific reality. So when she declares a close combat attack, she's got a range two because she's got all these tendrils that come out the floor. Uh, stat six attack. If she arcs that by another model, she can choose a friendly Nevermore model within eight inches, which again, that range pops up again. And she just reduces the stat by one, but measures the line of sight from that model. So that's usually Chompy or Teddy. Whichever your frontline model is, Serena will just arc a slap through that, um, which is really tasty because it's two four six damage um, yeah. with a blast trigger on it if you get the tome. So it's stat five if you arc it through someone else. If someone else walks up to you, it's stat six against defense. Um, it's nice incidental punishing damage. Um, she comes with Twist Reality, which is what Dreamer had, which is the same ability. It's stat five for her. Uh, in defense or willpower the vital part of this and Courtney can attest to this because I think it's won me more than one game is the hole in the world trigger that she has yeah. on it with the tome so she doesn't have anything built in she's got a tome and a crow trigger uh, drain magic is your removal of your cards hole in the world enemy only place the target within six inches of its current location um, Courtney yeah um, it can get I mean, I basically I had like um, Anna Lovelace, and she basically picked her up and put her in the middle of a load of dudes, and she suddenly got beaten up. <laughs> yeah, and Anna um, was dominating the game. Exactly, it's forcing forcing movement is always strong, and that is just amazing. Six inches movement is just very very powerful. Yeah, it's game changing. It's game changing against against a scheme one or against an anti summoner tech. Anna was being a real pain in the neck and I wasn't going to get that that situation in the middle and by just picking her up and putting her next to Chompy who then proceeded, she'd activated, hadn't she, I think at that stage, yeah. just picked her up and put her next to Chompy and Compelius who then proceeded to beat death, um, swayed the game and Serena has the ability to do that. Now, she can't stone for it, which is what makes it slightly fairer, Um but you might, that's the one time where it's not a mask that you need. That's the one consideration when you draw your cards of thinking, right, I might keep hold of this high tome because in a minute I might want to place something eight inches away that can then be placed six inches away from where it currently is. Um, that's a really good ability on a very good attack to start with. Um, it's worth saying she can't arc that, obviously, it's only a close combat ability. Um, and then, as I said, she's one of the only healers that Neverborn has, and it's a fantastic heal action that she has. So it's a range three bottle of painkillers bonus action. This is why I think a lot of the models that I talk about will eventually die, because they will eventually move away from where Serena wants to be. Capellius, Teddy, Stitch together, Chompy, they tend to die because they're too far away. Chompy has the ability to get further back towards Serena, but essentially it's stat six and even a ten. Target heals one, two, three, and then can you can end a condition on that model. So it's very good against condition abilities. 
On top of that, she's got a mask trigger again, which allows her to take an action the second time, uh, take the action a second time, and it's not limited to just using it on a model once. So if you've got something really beaten up, you can potentially heal a couple of times, um, or she can heal someone else and then trigger and heal herself. It's a phenomenal healing ability. And again, it's probably an argument for turning off bonus actions if you have that tech in faction. Yeah. Um, the only problem is if you're getting to Serena, you're you're in the backfield already and that's going to lead to weird things happening. But mm-hmm. she will basically <laughs> only be moved by Daydreams or Dreamer to get her closer to Chompy if she needs it or bring Chompy back towards her or Teddy or Capellius. But nine times out of ten, three out of those, three out of the four, say if you include the Stitch, won't be near enough. She's just healing the one that needs it, the one that is taking the most damage, which quite often is Chompy. She's mitigating the stone that he's just spent, or she's making sure that when he regens, he goes back up to full health. Um, She's annoying it, but it's worth saying that that condition removal is also quite good. Yeah, it's the same um, bonus action that nurses have. Yeah. um, Serena in the fluff is actually uh, one of the... uh, well, she knows morning very well, let's put it that way. Yeah, she's a weird case of being put back together a few times and constantly yeah. uh, waking up, hasn't she? Yeah, exactly. She's uh, she's phenomenal. She She's a phenomenal, phenomenal model. I think we've talked about this before, Courtney. If she was 10 soul stones, I'd still pay it. Yeah. If she was a 10 soul stone enforcer, I mean, I don't think that would be balanced. I think she's nine soul stones. I don't think she's eight. I think she needs to be nine. At nine soul stones, I would still pay it. And even if she wasn't versatile, ten soul stones for that in another faction, another keyword is fine by me. Um, I think she's that good. I don't think she's broken because I think she's much better with a nightmare on the board. So she wants to be with Pandora or Dreamer because um, she wants to arc those attacks. Otherwise, she's just sat in the middle, kind of twiddling her thumbs a little bit. I mean, you say that, but Twist Reality is still a really good shoot attack. It definitely is, but nine times out of ten, if you want to do that shooting attack, you want to make sure you've got the straight flip on it because you want to... Well, you've got the friendly fire, actually, I suppose. So I ignore what I'm saying, actually. It's the better version. I keep confusing it with the Daydream one. So, yeah, you're right. It is, actually. With the Daydream one, harking back to that, it doesn't have a gun symbol on it, so that ignores friendly yeah, fire as well. it does indeed, doesn't it? So, yeah, screw yeah. friendly fire, then. I suppose that makes sense for Dreamer's mechanics because the whole, like, being engaged is what he wants to do. Yeah, um, yeah. She's very, very good, and she is probably the first name on the list. Um, you know, you pick your, your Dreamer yeah. and Totem, Serena goes straight away, and then you pick your your choice of beta to go with her, whether it's Capellius, Teddy, Carver, Stitched, whatever you take in these summons. I think Serena is a, a fail-safe automatic pick, and I, I wouldn't be surprised for her cost to go up. I'd be sad to see her card changed. Mm. Um, I think you see a lot of people harking Doom and Gloom. I think if you're in a meta where your Neverborn player is constantly using Serena in every list, just slap them and tell them to kind of play more fluffy. Because um, I, ju- I, yeah. like, I don't like that. Change the Everyone knows, well, you know, we play that way, don't we? On the channel and on the podcast, we always talk about the keyword, and I think that's normal. I don't mind Serena going into other lists. She has to go with Euripides half of the time because he could really do with it. She doesn't hurt with Pandora because there's thematic stuff there. It's when you just see her randomly sat at the back in like a Zoraida list, and it's like, why? You know, why? It's not unkillable. I mean, Demise Eternal is great. You can turn that off, though. You can turn it off, and if you focus her down, she will die. And if you and Resur- Resurrections and Tempunders have um, Lantern to turn that demise off. Yeah, she's and got no regen to protect her, so she's already and- on relatively low health, and you can get two good swings on it. Doesn't matter if she's yeah. pitching a card. So, so with execute, execute knows yeah. demise triggers as well. So yeah. 
You've had plenty of ways to down. I think she's fine. Maybe it cost up, maybe, but I think, generally speaking, um, she is one of Neverborn's only sources of healing. And, and condition removal. The only other condition, condition removal we've got is the upgrade, which but removes it, which isn't great. Exactly, which is why she's versatile. I think she's fine. I think she's absolutely fine. I, you know, you that's my two no, I, I completely agree because she's in my faction. I want to keep her. Um, she's great. And I, I, I like her with Dreamer. So the point I'm making is that I, I like her with Dreamer and I like that theme. I like her with Pandora every once in a while. I don't use her with Pandora, but I can see complete merit in doing that. I don't like her being an auto-include in every single Neverborn list, which you sometimes see people do. And I think that might work competitively, but we're not competitive players. So therefore, we like it to be that keyword altogether. Um. So that's your insomnia box, essentially. That's you done with your all of your summons and your main crew. So now you have choices. Um, so the first choice is which is going to be your beta, your secondary beta. You don't have to take Capellius. You can sub him out. But essentially, who's going to be the second beta to Chompy? Is it going to be Ted or is it going to be Carver? And I not Carver a lot, but we'll start with him. Well, can I just say something before you start with Of course Carver? you can. Because I, you don't know this, but I received a letter. I've received a letter about this, right? Go on. So I just want to read this out. It won't be from Weird because they never answer my emails no. and ask for artwork. <laughs> yeah, but they did retweet Chris, so they obviously like him. Yeah, actually, that's um, the point. Can we acknowledge yeah. that Chris is uh, awesome? First of all, screw you. We're getting seen by Senpai. But can we also acknowledge if you've not seen Chris's fantastic bubblegum Mayfeng nightmare crew, have a look on the Twitters because oh my god, you did it with like the fluorescent paints, didn't you? Yeah, that um that like neon yellow one that it's like a high vis colour on the hair of um I forgot what the name is, the one with the spray cans. But it, it like photos don't do it justice just how much that pops in real life. It's there's such good colours, those fluorescent paints, but it was a I had to learn a totally new way of painting with them. I was going to say, do they behave like normal paints? No, No, not at all. Like I watched a few YouTube tutorials on how to use them. And uh, yeah, it was a whole new, I tried so many different techniques with that crew and it really paid off. And I'm absolutely made up with how they look. And I've had a lot of fun playing with them as well. Mei Feng. Yeah, that, that, uh, that, that's going to be a podcast. <laughs> that's yeah, going to be a thing. Yeah. So, Courtney, you have a letter. Go on. Yeah, I've got a letter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I shall read this now when we get my little glasses on. Okay, so... I apologise Co- for saying Seishin suck. <laughs> dear Courtney, Chris, and Tom, I, was, I represent the Carver fan club, and I was appalled to hear Tom brutally and unfairly slander the best model in Neverborn. I was looking forward to your podcast and your inevitable praise of the number one pumpkin boy. Disappointed is not a strong enough word. We at the number one Carver fan club in the UK wish, nay, demand an apology from Tom in your upcoming Dreamer podcast. Yours sincerely, George, president of the Carver fan club. I've literally just taken my hoodie off and braced myself for this. By the way, my beautiful pink TNG hoodie, which you can get from our Teespring store, it looks awesome because bat rep should be better. Anyway, that's the one advert we'll ever have. Um, Carver is better with Dreamer than he is with Pandora. He's not awful with Pandora. He is just no way in hell 10 soul stones. No way ever on this earth, soul stones times 10. <laughs> what he does well, and this is where you have to choose your flavor here. He's better defensively than Teddy. 
He does a little bit less damage, but he is ruthless. And that is critical because Neverborn lack ruthless. I think it's our Rider and Carver. And the Rider's not bad, but you really don't need it. You'd rather have the Nightmare keyword in Carver because he benefits from all the movement shenanigans. Mm. We've talked about him in the Pandora podcast. The only thing I'm going to talk about a little bit more, obviously he keeps all of the bits of both. So he's got Opportunist, which is against Focused, which is the best Opportunist. Um, So he can strip it to get a positive flip. He's got Misery, so if someone gains Focused or Stunned nearby, they're not going to get Stunned from Dreamer, but but they might Focus. He can move them two inches or give them a damage, which goes very nicely with Capellius's movement shenanigans. Obviously Carver can give them Stunned. Feed on Fear, Terrifying, all that. What makes Carver very good for Dreamer is not his stupid Kirai close combat weak-ass attack. Carver weak-ass attack. It's got an execute trigger. It's actually his Breath of Fire. Um, So Carver's got a Breath of Fire, which is stat 6, 6-inch range against defense. It's not great because it's not against willpower. Um, It's 2, 3 blast, 4 double blast, and targets damaged by this action, models damaged by this action game, burning plus 1. It's also got the Crow Trigger to remove all scheme markers within two. If your deck becomes quite hot by turn three, and you can get that three blast, four double blast off, you don't care too much about hitting your Alp that's in base contact with the opponent, because my god, that can really ruin somebody's day, because the burning plus one is a free extra damage. Um, You can nuke potentially reliably i'd even say turn four onwards scheming models that are going for research mission that are going for um whatever the other claim jumpy one is that you put stuff in that are going for spread them out you can really ruin somebody's day with that ability and that is not something that comes into play with pandora a lot his draw essence isn't great because it doesn't target willpower his glimpse of insanity is handy because it's stat six and obviously it's his bonus action again so again switching off bonus actions isn't a bad thing Willpower 6, Defense 5, Ruthless is enough to get the actions done. Um, it's just his shears. He's just got nerf foam shears. You know, stat 7 attack with a crit strike built in. That's great. He's only 2, two 4 dra- damage track and his swift action will turn off the crit strike. Um, so unless you're getting crows for days on the execute trigger, it's just not good enough. Um, I just think that should be 2, 3, 4 and then I'd never complain. I'd still think he'd be expensive for 10 soul stones, but 234 then I think is it means that you don't just flip a moderate and feel sad about life. So is that you saying he, well, he's not as bad as what you make out in the Pandora? So on the Seishin scale of being useless or being good? Well, Seishin and um, Daydream. Daydream, that's it. Yeah, right. So Daydream being good and someone saying that they're good, or Seishin being good and someone saying they're bad. I um, would say that same thing. I'm I would say that you you. Carver, we said in Pandora, Carver's a tech pick. If you've got terrifying, Dreamer does not like terrifying on the other side of the board. It's an annoyance. Dreamer's counterplay in Neverborn is either Pandora or Dreamer. Yeah. Like, it does not like that. Carver would be your auto going. Rezzers also is going to probably be needed because of the amount of terrifying that's knocking around there. Um, Ruthless is very good. And Ruthless is very rare in Neverborn. I think it's something that is a 1 in 20 match pick. And I think that's the conclusion we drew on the Pandora podcast, that you'd much rather have Hinamatsu with the upgrade more times than Carver in a general match, but Carver will come in and make a massive difference every once in a while. Um, And I think that's it. If you're against a crew who has a lot of focus, and if you're against a crew that has a lot of terrifying or manipulative, Carver goes in without a second thought. 
the rest of the time I'd rather take my risk with Teddy. So unless you guys have anything you want to add into Carb. No, no. I just wanted to see if George was happy with that response and if he could send yeah. another letter. Yeah. To summarise, George, I'd really like to hear from no, him again. <laughs> buy a hoodie. So, <laughs> Ted would then. Um, Teddy is is great. T- Teddy is ten soul stones, and he's about right for ten soul stones. He's a big old beater. Um, the difference between him and Carver is obviously defense four is not nice. Um, <laughs> 10 HP, he's not a henchman. This is what's why we're saying Carver is a henchman. The other thing I don't like about Carver and Dreamer is that you've then got Dreamer, Chompy, and Carver, and potentially, is it Widow Weaver, I think, is the other henchman. Um, I'll double-check to see if she is in a second, because she might be an enforcer. Um, But you've got... She's a henchman. She's got a henchman. You've got a lot of things that are competing for stones then. Um, So I think Teddy's your safer bet. Teddy will die every game. Um, because he's just a big teddy bear and your opponent wants to kill him. Um, yeah. We've talked about him before. Terrifying 11, armor 1, regen 1, feed on fear. He's got flurry and he's got a stat 6, 3, 4, 6 attack. That's what teddy do. Yeah. Um, the only interesting thing with him is that obviously his terrorize ability, which he can push any only their move away, is a willpower duel. So that has far more value in Dreamer than it had in Pandora. Um, his other main thing is the fact that he can pull someone out of combat. So he's got, I've got your back. So stat five, Dina ten. He can pull someone out of combat, heal, or push them out of the direction. So he can pull a problematic situation out. Let's say Chompy is about to die, and you've already activated him this turn. And he's not quite in range of Serena, but Teddy is nearer to Serena. You can pick up Chompy and put him in base contact with Ted, and they're both 50 mil bases, so he's probably within range of Serena by that point to be healed. And then Teddy can just charge in and replace him. Um, Chris, you've played you've played against Teddy enough times. You can probably talk us through what he does. He yeah, he gets in your face. He hits things. He tanks entire areas. Really, that armor plus one regeneration and terrifying helps him stay alive for a long time. Feed on fear as well. To um, so if you're failing to hit him, then you you a summoning things in the dreamer's got lined up. B you're healing Teddy back up himself. But I think that I've got your back. That's got a really nice play with with dreamers. Um, switcheroo if, if you charge something into dreamer dreamer's still alive he activates swings at you a couple of times maybe then brings uh Chom- chompy in to hit them chompy goes next hits the thing a few times then teddy activates if this thing's still alive teddy can i've got your back pull chompy out of there and get in himself and have a couple more swings they all just well. line up and take turns slapping them. yeah it's there's some horrible horrible plays with that there i think because of the amount of switcheroos dreamer's got some really nice little yo-yos. I think it's worth remembering, Teddy, that he's not a mature Nephilim. You can't treat him that way. You can't chuck him in combat and expect to win the attrition no. battle. Because the defense force, no. as soon as he gets an injury on him, I mean, Courtney's a pro at just injuring Teddy, and it's like, well, I've got to <laughs> <Yeah>. So um, he will go down very quickly no matter what you do. But he is a massive distraction Carnifex, essentially. Oh, yeah. He takes a lot of um, effort to take him down, but he will go down. Um, he's an enforcer, so obviously he's not using soul stones or anything. Not having baby Cade is not the end of the world. Basically, Teddy, any maneuverability he would have lost from Cade, he gains from the daydreams. So Teddy yeah. and Chompy are your main targets for lead nightmare, and they're also the one. I mean, Teddy really gets a benefit out of that shielding from Dreamer as well, that pulse out, yeah, because um, he needs to reduce the damage. Um, it's worth also just saying that Flurry's great. You know, the threat of a flurry. Dreamer, as Courtney said, Dreamer doesn't want to pitch cards too much. 
So flurry is always handy to have in your back pocket. Just bear in mind what suits you've got in your hand because you want your masks and you want your um, tomes for other stuff, essentially. Um, He's got consume. He can eat someone if he's feeling really rough, which isn't too bad in Dreamer because you can just summon it back. So he can eat a Alp and get five HP back, which is a free bonus action. You just kill something within three and eats it and heals, ignoring their demise abilities. I've even had him eat Serena once. (laughs) <laughs> I needed it to happen. Um, it's not vital and he can heal himself when he's killing stuff so i think you make your choice there you either take your slightly higher risk it's going to die but highly slight but slightly damage outputs ted or you tech pick carver in to be your i'm going to deal with these models that have got awkward defensive abilities that i don't particularly want to deal with mm. um, it's a choice by choice kind of option that brings us to the final box. Now, these two, as at the time of recording, have not been released yet. So they're two models that I have less experience with, but they are two models that are essentially a straight swap. You've got Widow Weaver and Bandersnatch, and these are what I like to call the, the dream scheme kind of pair. And what I mean by that is these guys are there for high scheme pools so not public enemies not um what's the other killy one that you've got uh recover evidence the they're there for things like symbols of authority they're there for things that have things like spread them out or sabotage and the reason for that is these two have outstanding uh movements shenanigans so i think widow eva is Eight soul stones as a henchman, and then you've got the uh, Bandersnatch, which I think again, no, it's seven soul stones. I think essentially you take Capellius out and you take one of the beaters out. If you're going pure scheme, you probably take Teddy out and you take Capellius out, and maybe you do buy an extra daydream with the spare soul stones you've got, or you do some combination of that. Capellius is your almost immediate straight swap. As much as I sung a lot of praise for him in terms of his movement shenanigans, these two just do it better. I also think, and this is going into a full TED talk here, I apologize, you could actually take all of your beaters out and take Vasilisa as well, who is the Collodi old henchwoman, I think she used to be. Yeah. Um, because there is a puppet creation synergy a lot of these have as well. Um, I honestly think this is where the meat and bones of Dreamer is. I think once these models come out and people get game time with them, I think this is where you will get very high-level Dreamer players absolutely wrecking house. Because I think you declare Dreamer, you do your first few picks, which are easy, your opponent will tech for that list that I've talked about so far, and then you drop this on them and just go, actually, I'm not going to beat you up that much. Whatever I do beat up will die but I am just going to get across the, across the board because I have got so much movement already and this just adds even more. So, we're saying that what you do get with these models is great in terms of movement. What you lose is you lose that lucid dream ability that quite a few models have to add. But if you keep in your minions, you're not affecting it too much. Let's start with Widow Weaver. Um, Widow Weaver is an henchman. Eight soul stones, defense five, willpower six, movement five, size two, eight HP. She gets Feed on Fear, which she's not going to be using a lot. She's got a one-inch melee, so it's not bad. She's Terrifying 12, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. She's interesting in the sense that she's treated as having the puppet keyword when she's hired, um, which is interesting because she can then interact with it. 
So the front of Widow Weaver's card just says a lot of information which will become clear as we talk about the rest of the model. So the first one that she's got is Seize Prey. So at the start of her activation, she may place herself into base contact with a friendly web marker within 12 inches. 12 inches. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right, the rails. Yep, and she's unaffected by the web markers. Um, that will come into play because, as we talk about in a second, her and the band of Snatch have the ability to kind of abuse this. She's also got the stuff of nightmares. After an enemy model within six inch aura of her is killed by a nightmare model, she gains a stuffing token. And instead of removing a scrap marker for her summon, she can use a stuffing token instead. And that will transition us nicely to her careful assembly tactical ability. So Widow Weaver is a summoner within a summoner. Hmm. which is why she's a henchman because she needs the stones for the masks so her careful assembly is a range 2 ability stat 7 TN10 mask she removes a scrap marker or a stuffing token that's on her and she can name a neverborn puppet minion those are the wicked doll the mysterious effigy which no or a stitch together <laughs> You need a 6, a 7, or a 9, respectively. So you either have to a Wicked Doll or a Stitch together. She can then chuck it out, as we said. Uh, she summons the name model with slow and base contact with Widow Weaver. It's slow, so it's not great. Um, but if you can bring a Stitch together in, that means Dreamer can focus on other stuff. Mm. I'm bringing in lots of Griblies. Um, it's very good. Now, I'm not going to go into detail about the Wicked Doll. The Wicked Doll, if anyone's played against it, is a massive nuisance. It's a relatively good three soulstone model. Um, it's a pain. It can move quite a lot. It can accomplice. It's got stealth. It's got the ability to kind of add adversary onto stuff, which is great. Um, it's a good little extra schema, but the fact that she can bring those out is lovely. The stitch together is the nicer thing that you'd rather have, but obviously you need the decent card for it. Um, the rest of her card's more interesting. So uh, rather than me continuing my TED talk, uh, Chris, have you encountered Widow Weaver before, like in the past? Uh, not so much in this edition, again. Uh, sec- yeah. I don't think we've seen too much of her in this no, edition. No, I don't think we've seen any because the model. Yeah, the, the web marker shenanigans are really good. Like looking, I was looking at the back of a card then to see how she creates them. So she's got the bonus action, hasn't she, where yeah. she can just drop a 50 mil. It's destructible severe. Uh, web marker anywhere within range and it's a six inch range on that so that's quite nice that kind of sets up for the next turn though but it's also for for blocking off lanes really yeah but a melee attack's got a trigger on it as well so it's it's a one inch melee stat six against defense two three four damage and poison plus one on the tome you've got create a 50 mil uh severe web marker within one inch of the target the mask gives you into the dream web so you can place the target into base contact with a friendly web marker within eight inches of you and then the crows infect, so it gives you poison for every crow built in. But there's a nice bit of maneuverability there on the first, well, on the second one. Because if you're in contact, with, well, if you've dropped a web marker six inches away, you can throw them into that, really. It ruins someone's day when you combine it with Serena's hole in the world. Yeah. That you, yeah. you've got these massive placement abilities that you can chuck someone away. You're chucking them, you can chuck them what 14 inches there, six inches from the hole in the world, and then somewhere within a web marker with eight inches. You can place them on the other side of a web marker that's just within eight inches of you, so you can chuck them 10 inches away. I mean, she's got her, she's kind of replacing some of Capellius's abilities here, but she's also got Terrorize, which Teddy has, um, yeah, which is stat six willpower job. But she's got some interesting triggers. Um, Courtney, do you want to take these triggers? 
Uh, yes, I can. Yeah. Um, so, as you say, very good um, triggers on there. I'll just quickly look at the Vandersnatch. Um, <laughs> He's prepping for the next bit. So the Terrorize, yeah. Cypher Life. It, it still, again, gives you plus one damage and heals you. Useful. And the Spin Web it, it gives you another um, web marker. Which, it's the fact yeah. that it has an eight-inch range, but you can then put a web next to the opponent. So she's yeah. again setting up those movement shenanigans. Exactly. 100%. Chris, can you remind me of the rules? Which is the difference between create and drop? Can Which one can go underneath models? Is it drop? Drop, yeah. So you drop a scheme marker, you drop a scrap marker, they can go underneath. You can't create underneath no. another model. But it's handy that you um, can probably chuck it near to a scrum, I suppose, or block off movement lanes. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, basically, you can push them away and then drop the uh, web marker in front of them. So to get to you, they're having to walk through a severe terrain. It's worth saying she's on a 40 mil base as well. Which which will yeah. add up when you talk about her being able to place herself twelve inches away. Um, yeah, you'll find a lot of Widow Weaver's actions in the first couple of turns are just doling this out. Turn three, she will then probably uh, pivot and go towards trying to score those schemes. But pivot. a pivot. But I think you can't really talk about her without talking about the Bandersnatch. Because I think they go hand in hand. Uh, this is my favourite model. I love the yeah. Bandersnatch. Oh, as context. Even before we just started and he was thinking about doing Dreamer, he's talked about this bloody model constantly. He loves this model. <laughs> this that is my brand of... This is great. The, first of all, the miniature is fantastic with the, the kind of prospector holding a lantern. It's kind of creeping up behind him. You can kind of assemble it with or without. I don't know why you'd ever do it without, though. It looks awesome with that no. little diorama. Um, stat 7 Enforcer. So, oh my God, you're taking all of the Enforcers in the world in this group. But... Um, the Bandersnatch is fun and silly and uh, <laughs> makes people sad, which I like. So <laughs> it's uh, seven soul stones, defense five, willpower five, movement six, which is very, very good. And it's got uh, a size of two. It's on a 40 mil base as well, which is not too bad. Um, essentially, this thing's ability is to bury itself and basically go into somebody's shadow. But it has a few other synergies that go with it. So the first one to be aware of is that it has Seize Prey as well. So just like Widow Weaver, when it starts its activation, it can place itself within 12 inches. Just like Widow Weaver, it has the ability to create a web as a bonus action. So they bounce off each other's ability to do this. So whichever one is leading the charge, it's going to be the Bandersnatch. Um, Place it moves first with all the movement shenanigans you've got. Places a marker, Widow Weaver teleports to it. Then she yo yo's forward, places a marker for the Bandersnatch, and that yo yo's forward. So they have the ability to get across the board very quickly and mess around with the opponent. Um, it's got eat your fill, just like the stitch together. So when it kills someone, it heals. It's got feed on fear. Um, we'll talk about shadow hunting in a second. So its main ability is a different bonus action which is called Crawl Into Shadow. Now, this is the one that you use when you're within six inches range. Um, Courtney, you've just been reading about this. You and me have talked about this loads. What is this? Ah, yeah. uh, yes. Crawl Into Shadow. Um, so it is six range, um, stat six, willpower, and it does have a TN of 13. Mm. It's, mm, I like this ability. I do like this ability. So this action cannot be taken while buried. Enemy only. Attach the shadow layer upgrade to the target, then bury this model. Target gains distracted one. And it also has a little trigger on it that um, forces you to discard a target or you suffer three damage. 
The big thing is that shadow layer upgrades because it it works into the ability shadow hunting, which essentially what it does is you can set the model that you've chosen to have that shadow upgrade essentially has the Bandersnatch on top of it, and the Bandersnatch can attack through him at other models. Am I right in that, uh, Tom? Yeah. It increases uh, his melee by it, two. Yes, it's got a three-inch melee attack. <laughs> so he's still buried, but he's, he's now attack, attack, attacking him, attacking other models through that model. And it is important because the, the upgrade itself, it's got two abilities on it, which are just, it's so thematic. I really like the, how it works. It's got Nest of Shadow. So the model that you give this upgrade to, at the start of its activation, it suffers one damage and gains injured plus one just straight away. Mm-hmm. If it's killed, the Bandersnatch then unburies in base contact with it and heals two because it just, like, you know, slurps up its soul. Um, and then you discard the upgrade. The second one is the, the real, like, messing about shall we say uh my shadow this model and other friendly models in base contact may target the buried enemy bandersnatch models with their close combat attacks or actions ignoring range and line of sight other friendly models suffer a minus to these actions and if an enemy bandersnatch is killed discard this upgrade so if you want to deal with the bandersnatch someone else needs to come over and try and whack his shadow but it's on a negative or he can just try and hit himself or hit his own shadow with it essentially um, the funny thing is, basically, this Bandersnatch just creeps behind, follows this dude around, whoever it is, punching at three-inch range with its Venomous Strike ability, which, if it gets this ability off to someone who's in the middle of the scrum, which, let's be honest, that's what you're going to aim for, you put Distracted on the model that you've put the upgrade on, so if it does try to attack you, it's going to be on a minus. Any other friendlies that help that are going to be on a minus, and it's going to just start punching people that are near your model, because 3-inch range is quite tasty, especially if it manages to get this off on a 40 or 50 mil base model. I'm it's just so reading the, I'm just reading the false suspicion trigger on Venomous Strike as yeah, well. You guys look Venomous Strike again. 3-inch <laughs> <laughs> range attack, let's say. It's usually a 1, but let's say it's a 3. And by the way, feed on fear, it'll continue to heal from that. Yeah, it's 2-3-4 damage, and you gain poison. Um, so essentially, you could say it's three, four, five with that poison damage. Yep, stat six. Um, stat six as well with the inbuilt mass. Uh, the mass trigger is snatch, which uh, pushed the target into base contact with the model in which this range of layer sight face action was drawn. So you could just sort of, that's a bit of mobility, isn't it? Yeah, you um, put, you, well, if you're in someone's shadow, you pull the thing that you've just punched yeah. back yeah. a step, essentially. <laughs> well, it's the false suspicion trigger that they made me So laugh. good. That's not the crow. Ta- the target takes a melee or gun action, chosen controlled by this model, targeting an enemy model with an attached shadow lair tr- upgrade. <laughs> so essentially, he's, make- he's attacked him, so now he's going to get some revenge. Yeah, the bad is <laughs> just slap someone in the back of the head and they turn around and shoot the guy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking amazing. It's it is so good. I love this model so much. I feel like this is just like the most never born model ever. Um, yeah. It's worth saying if it doesn't want to, if it wants to unbury sooner than that, it does have the tactical action to do that. It's got dart out, which is a free action. It basically discards the shadow layer upgrade, pops out, and takes a venomous strike on the. Well, it just takes a close combat action. It doesn't have to yeah. be on the target. Um, so it just pops out and swipes. So essentially, it's got the ability to pull itself back out. But you just don't. You just sit in someone's shadow for the whole game, just being an ass. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's always useful if if he's on his own, you're not going to get much um, 
um, much from keeping him in buried. But yeah, you're probably right. Just keep him in there, just having whack people. Does yeah. that keeping him buried tie into? Um... Was it the Alps? Yeah, the Alps or... that get the positive flips and Dreamer. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, it all ties in so well. So the other thing that's worth me saying is that, um, you know, I mentioned Vasilisa. The Bandersnatch has the ability to put these webs out, but obviously it links more in Widow Weaver. But Vasilisa can also summon puppets. She can also benefit from um, putting Staggered out, which is useful. There's a really nice mess around combo with those three that, like, you know, Vasilisa can heal all of your puppets. She can heal all your constructs, which, you know, like, Teddy is a construct, so he's the stitch together. <laughs> so you get, like, a second, basically, Serena knocking around with a third summoner within the crew. It, it It's that kind of gif, you know, with all the algebra floating around your head. Um, but if someone can pull it off, I will, I will be incredibly impressed because I think there's a lot of... Uh, jiggery pokery that can be done with this yeah too much it's 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 really thematic isn't it at the end of the day it's the whole crew's about giving out nightmares and what's more nightmarish than a giant horrible spider living in your shadow yeah and i I just like the idea of just kind of like it's behind you um so yeah the band of snatches is is mvp it might not be the strongest model at all it might fail its willpower jewel and never be able to get it off but when it does i will just grin because it's just like I just <laughs> grin and slap the nearest model and just be like I'm never bored this is what we do um, but yeah that takes us pretty much to the end of the keyword I think there's there's nothing really else that I think deserves much you can take other models outside of keyword I don't see why you would because Serena being able to arc attacks through you know the buried models the synergy is great you could take the hooded rider if you want even more movement but it's quite an expensive way of doing it you've got cheaper ways that you can just summon in you could take Hinamatsu if you wanted to add another puppet if you were going that schemey list but you're taking the beaters out to do the kind of attacks to do their scheming instead but um, yeah, it, it, they're, just, they're just great. They're just really yeah, good. Exactly, yeah. Maybe Angel Eyes for an extra bit of range and stuff like that. Yeah, I wish fun. Angel Eyes was as good as Hands. I wish we had like that long range yeah. shot. Um, but yeah, that'll take us to the end of the keyword. So I think we'll probably do another ad break now. So hopefully it's hoodie related, Chris. <laughs> no, mate, these aren't real adverts. Or are they? Or are they? Anyway, we'll be back they're shortly. They're not, please sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> For young Jeremy, growing up in Victorian London was a boring time. I'm so lonely, I wish I had a friend to play with. But once he closed his eyes, he had all the friends in the world. Hello, what's your name? I think I'll call you Lord Tumpy Bits. Oh look, there's some people. Let's go play a game with them. Bloody hell, Steve, what's that? It's a big scary monster coming right out of us. Let's get out of here. I don't think they like our green little monsters. I wonder why. Oh, <sighs> 
Once young Jeremy started listening to the voices in his head, it didn't stop there for him. Kill them all? Now that's really a bad idea. We shouldn't do that. that. Okay, let's do it. Harlefo Movies presents Dream Big, a Harlefo production. Movie is rated R for R. It is the Somnia. And that was another fantastic uh, advert there. Uh, I can see all the sponsors flying away as we speak. <laughs> okay, so... Um, is it possible to like delete the retweet that Chris had from Weird Games? Yeah. Like <laughs> Jealousy doesn't suit you, Thomas. <laughs> um, so what skins and strats would you say Dream is good in? Well, I like it at the start. He is the Swiss Army knife, so I think you can flex up and down. In current gaining grounds one scenario, the ones that involve killing things are a little bit nicer. Um, I think public enemies is quite a nice one for Dreamer because some of the things that are doing the killing are quite far back, meaning that they can get a kill, gain the tokens, and then not be under threat. Um, recover evidence is a little bit of a pain in the neck because you want to use a lot of your AP for punching stuff, but it's not too bad. Um, symbols... I think if you're a patient dreamer player, you'll do really well in protecting your symbols. If you're me, it's just I don't really like symbols or ley lines. Um, ley lines is an interesting one. I don't know what you would put the token on. Um, I think Capellius is probably the automatic pick, just for the speed. Or you put it on Widow Weaver and Band the Snatch, or whichever one you want, and they just literally score all of the points. They can't, because um, you can't um, place with the token on you. Can you not with the low stack? No, turn? with the low Curse turn. Curse you, gaining ground. Yeah, really all the front. They think of everything. They think of all of the Tara stuff. Um, so I, I'd, I'd say Capellius, probably. But I, I hate corrupted ley lines. I can't wait to see the back of that. Uh, um, but it's, it, I think it's doable. I think Dreamer's pretty good into everything. Yeah. And that is part of the the perception of him, that he's he's very, very good into all the things. I think you have to know all of your moving parts. Um, I think it's more the actual schemes that are, are things that you can easily pick up. I think... You know, things like Breakthrough and Claim Jump and Sabotage and Leave Your Mark and Research Mission, spread them out, all those schemey ones, you take your scheming list, you just score with ease. The ones that I actually think are really interesting are things like Take Prisoner and Vendetta. I think Take Prisoner is very easy with the Dreamer crew because you've got all those repositions. Vendetta's a hard one for me because I never, I think it's too much value placed in what is essentially a random bit of luck. Yeah, you can go after a model, and yeah, Dreamer's got the placement ability to do that. But what happens if your opponent does something weird with that model that you want to damage, and it just doesn't play into you scoring more points? Um, same with Hidden Martyrs. I, I don't mind catch and release, but again, I'm summoning a lot of my little things in, and I don't really trust a daydream to get across the border and not just be shot to death. <laughs> um, let them bleed is a very real possibility. You know, putting damage on every single model that's out is a hundred percent something that you're able to do. Yeah. Um, 
I think runic binding, which is the weird one where you build a triangle, I think, again, that's something that you do with your Widow Eva Bandersnatch weird combo. It's not undoable by the other ones, but I think you want to use your AP to put the scheme marker down, so you want to use that bonus action to place, or that start of activation ability, sorry, to place, so that you can kind of move and then put your markers down. But there's none of those that I look at as a dreamer player and go, yeah, I can't really do this. Um, I think in my head, I mentioned this in the Pandora podcast, I'm very clear where I use each of my Holy Trinity. So I'm very clear what is a Nekima strat. I'm very clear what is a Pandora strat, what is a Dreamer strat. I think the rule of thumb is there's probably one that I will take Nekima for nine times out of ten. There's probably two that I would take Pandora for. Um, but all four I can take Dreamer for and be relatively happy. So Dreamer is always in that option, if that makes sense. Um, whereas with the other ones, it's kind of, yeah, they're, they're definitely a contender for this one or they're 50-50 for this one, but actually Dreamer goes across the board. Fair enough. It, it's, it's the thing with all summoners, really. Well, maybe not all, but they are they are a Swiss Army nice. They're a great all-rounder. They're um, jack-of-all-trades, maybe master of none. Maybe. I think Dreamer definitely has some weaknesses. Um, we've talked about the fact that if you attack the hand yeah. and you have an ability to attack suits in particular, he needs masks. Yeah. Um, also, execute triggers, burning soul stones, because he needs the soul stones anyway for those triggers for that summon. Um, you know, Taking the upgrade to avoid the Black Joker is one thing, but like I said, that hot deck, you cannot predict which of those four suits is going to come up. So yeah. rake the eyes, any kind of weird reverse intuition, um, even like Euripides pulling out an old ways to just kind of counter the stitched and all that kind of stuff is interesting ways of interacting and getting around that hot deck. Um, also, just models that don't care about being engaged. Yeah. You know, anything with Don't Mind Me, um, anything with an aura, you know, Dreamer doesn't particularly like Entropy or Leech Life because his little weak models are taking damage every time they activate. They don't particularly want to be doing that. And it kind of ignores their incorporeal or their defensive tech. Cause it just happens. He's nothing insignificant uh, as he, none the of his, daydreams, the daydreams insignificant. Daydream yeah, insignificant. I was thinking for uh, uh, public enemies. No. So that's the thing. The daydreams are insignificant, which helps a lot because obviously they're weak as hell in terms yeah. of their HP. Um, Anything that attacks buried models like that interaction with Tara's would be a very interesting matchup. But I think lady J uh, was it the, is it the judge or is it the scales? I don't know which one it is now. The the one that can do very nasty things to buried stuff. Um, uh, jury, jury, that's the one. Any of your anti summon tech? So Courtney, what did you have with um, Reaver? Two people. Does Vincent? Um, uh, what was Anna doing? Anna was being a pain as well. Was it not? You can't can summon nearer. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anything that you can do to disrupt and dictate where the engagement will happen, because obviously Dreamer wants to unbury in base contact with an opposing model. So anything that you can do to mess with that um, becomes pretty tasty. And as I said, Dreamer does not like um, terrifying. Really doesn't. <laughs> anything that forces you to take those tests, anything that forces you to take Carver in your list. Um, but it's it's not good. It's really not good because these big, tasty models, their willpower's okay, but sometimes you don't want to be cheating in cards, as we as Courtney but mentioned. It's, it's attacking his hand in a way. Terrifying is a way yeah. of like in indirectly attacking people's hands. So real pain in the neck. Worst case scenario for me would be Jackdaw. So Jackdaw does all of the things I don't want him to do in the sense that he ignores my big swings. 
He does incremental incidental damage and he's terrifying pretty much across the board and he messes with flips. Um, that is absolute no-no for Dreamer because it's just, I can't do anything. You know, my min three damage attacks just keep doing one damage. Great. Well, this is fantastic. I'm glad I wasted all my AP on that. And there's not enough incidental damage. I think you'd have to bust out the Widow Weaver, you know, Bandersnatch movement, but then you're playing into Jackdaw's hands because you're not hitting him. And he can just stodge up everything that he needs to do. Um, I wouldn't like to see someone like Dashiell on the other side of the board either. Um, just simply because just Dashiell does what Dreamer does. He has a lot of movement shenanigans, but Dashiell is slightly more defensive because he summons closer to him, especially with the Dispatcher now with its big buff. So Dreamer could summon something relatively weak. Dashiell just brings out an executioner and just butchers it. Um, it, it's Kirai's a problem there. Tara is a massive problem with the fact that she can summon Void Hunters. Um, Void Hunters are a nightmare for most crews, but Dreamer, again, will not like their ability to get positive flips by putting fast on you, by ability to bury you again, or by being, I think they're incorporeal as well, and they've got a very, very nice attack. So there's definitely models that I wouldn't like to see and definitely masters. Is there anything from your factions that you guys play that you think is a, a tasty alternative? I think um, you, you've said it well. I would say that yeah. uh, Ruthless has a, has a very good hand attack yeah. build um, with um, in guild with um, Alan and uh, Dr. Grimwell that can could really shut down uh, Dreamer's cards. Grimwell's phenomenal, isn't he, yeah. this edition? Other than that, I think you've hit most of the points. Chris, how about for the uh, the Grammys? Yeah, I think it's um, it's making sure you are taking the 12 cups of coffee to shut down the, the bonus actions is a big one. And also, um, oh, what's the other upgrade? The one that, that gives you ruthless. So, have you got any favourite moments um, with Dreamer that don't involve me? I have a worse moment, actually, I could say. It's probably a favourite moment from you. It's a major weakness, which is just due to my inability. If you can't draw cards... <laughs> yeah because the last game we played i had three turns in a row was yeah. it where i couldn't draw like above a six uh, dreamer can't summon if you can't draw cards yeah. i mean the nice thing is you can at least summon multiple things if it was like here i had been yeah. absolutely smoked at that point it was like terrifying i've not summoned anything it would have been gg yeah much. i think i think i've i prioritized pitching cards and pulling that back and being able to get like a result out of that was yeah. nice because uh, like i say it is the primary mechanic removing cards so i just tried to make the deck as hot as i could um other than that i think it's never pleasant when your opponent looks across and goes, yeah, I'm just going to call it there on turn four. But there is that kind of element of, ha I've played the big scary thing and you are scared. <laughs> you fell right into my trap. You fell into my left-born trap. But no, he's, he's just good. He's good fun. I, I enjoy Dreamer. He's a nice tertiary option to Pandora and Nekima. Um, anything for you guys? Yeah, it's it's not a worse moment. I'm going to go with a favourite moment. But when we had the um, the doubles night at the club where we teamed up, <laughs> and I was uh, I was von Schill. It's where the the idea for Leopold and Trunky came from. Because at one point I was paired up with a Dreamer player, and all I had left was von Schill in the trunk. So I was just yeah. laughing, calling them Leopold and Trunky. But all I was doing was he was summoning daydreams in, and I was giving them rocket launchers <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and rocket boots. <laughs> It's just, it's absolutely hilarious. You've just got a daydream sat there with a rocket launcher. It's, um, yeah. If if you ever get a chance to play doubles, if you get a good group together, 
is some of the most ridiculous Malifaux you'll ever play, and it is just hilarious. You say that, but we, we were cheering on you, but at our table, me and Courtney were like laser-focused and taking this filthy Molly-Levy combo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's me just throwing rocket launchers to Daydreams, putting on a silly accent. Like, yeah. <laughs> hey, my friend, take the rocket launcher. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver's just looking at me like, who have I paired with? What it's, it's this guy. It's just, it's, it's just the mental image of a daydream fucking with this how with do you make dream more fly from, backwards how do you make dream more OP we're just going to rocket launch because it's great rocket launchers <laughs> <laughs> great what about you Courtney um, no I don't have any fucking great moments to get <laughs> it's all <laughs> memories um, it's what I'm saying Courtney is my guinea pig for a lot of this yeah stuff. I usually am the um, the first person the crash test dummy yeah I'm the crash test dummy oh do I get abused um, <laughs> Tara next, mate. Don't worry. Oh Christ, I know. Um, it's all right. She's rubbish in gaining grounds. Oh well, yeah, exactly. That's it. I'm, I'm, pre- I'm prepping for GG too. That's all it is. I'm waiting for George's letter. <laughs> I think, generally speaking, um... well, if we get like 400 Patreons or whatever the other guys did, I'll play a Carver game on the channel. <laughs> yeah. That's how we get more. A 50 yeah, Souls yeah. game with Carver as the master. Yeah, Carver yeah. will be my leader as a master. If we get like what what astronomical figure can I pl- pluck out the air? If we get like a hundred Patreon subscribers, one million of my <laughs> pinky goes to my mouth. Uh, no, you yeah, still hundred. I just I say what if I see three people in our hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> In an event, Courtney were buying a hoodie I will, that aren't included within the Harlow show. <laughs> <laughs> then screw it. Yeah, I'll do that on the channel. I, I mean, I'll complain all the way through, but I'll do it. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. Please buy some of the hoodies just so Tom can play as Carver as a master. And tell you what, you can play against Courtney with Archie. Yeah. yeah. And some station. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go doubles. Yeah, this is it. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's one of those things, isn't it? We've we've had some decent games, but I think Dreamer Dreamer is just a steamroller. Eventually, once that machine gets going, it's very hard. You've got to try and take him out as quick as because yeah, you just let him build up, and it's ridiculous. Scores on the doors, then scores on the doors. So let me bring up our totally unbiased, reliable scoring system. That seems to have. While you're bringing that up, I'm just going to continue to say a, a massive thank you for everyone with the support for the podcast and the channel because we're starting to get cross comments now, which is amazing. So, like, we're seeing people on the YouTube channel go, like, really like this, but actually, I'm a massive fan of the Harlefo show. I'm looking forward to seeing this master that you guys have talked about, or I'm glad you've done this master on the show and then you've played it on the channel. Um, it's really nice that that's becoming kind of integrated, and it is lovely to kind of see, you know, people on Courtney's one go, Oh, I listen to the Molly podcast. It's nice to actually see it. Or the forthcoming Chris one that, you know, oh, you know, I've seen you talk about Mar. It's nice to see this oh, one. Oh, yeah, Mar's coming out soon. Mar's on her way. Yeah. When is that? After, I, I can now talk about the Mazaki match now that's gone live. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely going to need to redo the scales for that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> is Darren playing Masaki tonight? I know he's playing against Mayfeng. No, he's it? playing Colette tonight because oh, he's, he's balanced. Oh, yeah, yeah. I really hope he gets his shit pushed in. PG podcast. Um, Courtney said the F word. He's fine. He's harmless. Right. Right. Scoring. So, scores out of five. Let's just also say, because 
no one will listen to this. Darren is just a very good player. It doesn't matter what yeah, crew yeah, he's got. Yeah, yeah. It's nothing personal against Darren. It's just nice to see somebody who wins a lot getting beat now and then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've got out of five, learning curviness, how easy it is to get to grips with the crew. Five being very easy, one being difficult. Shenanigans, amount of mad tricks and combos, one being not many combos, five being all the combos in the world. Hiring pooliness, whether you have a large uh, pool of models to draw from, which will be five, or not many models at all, it's quite a static crew, would be one. And then dickishness, how annoying they are to play against, or how much of a dick they are. Five being a massive dick, number one being micro penis. Please separate the player from the crew with that scale. <laughs> uh, we always do, Tom. We always do. Because I remember the Pandora episode. Um, so, Tom... Bridge Farm remembers. <laughs> learning curviness. How easy is it to get to grips with the Dreamer? If you use the list that I said at the start, I think it's only about a two. Yeah. I, I, I honestly think he's pretty straightforward because he's so thematic. His rules play like how you think he should. If you've read the fluffy plays like you imagine he would. Yeah. When you start bringing in Bandersnatch and Widow Weaver, I think it pushes towards a four um, because that first list is very fire and forget and you're putting the pressure on your opponent to make decisions. So I think I'm going to just put it as a three in between just as the whole keyword. How easy um, is it to, to learn when to ditch high cards, when to ditch low cards and, and draw them back in in what case? And I honestly think the only hard thing to learn is when you want to actually unbury things. Sometimes right. you don't want to. And it, it, it's learning what the other master does. I think um, it, it's more that. I think the cards, realistically, you're using whatever you've got when you think you need it. The only time you actually need to be careful is making sure you've got something for Dreamer, but he's activating first most of the time anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with the three. Cool. Fair dues. Shenanigan-iness. No, 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 I messed that up. Shenanigan-iness. <laughs> Shenanigan-iness. Yeah, Shenanigan-iness. Um, I feel like it's going to be... I might be underselling Dreamer here, but I think it's probably going to be a three again. Ooh. I don't think he's pulling... Yeah, that's right, you can challenge it. I don't think he's pulling pure shenanigans, but I feel like he's doing enough janky stuff in the battle, but I don't think any of it is a surprise. It's just... The Alp isn't... It? The first time the Alp pops up and does all of its things, that's not fun. Um, that's a surprise and that's a shenanigan. But I don't know if he's doing too many weird and wonderful. He's not like, you know, Soma level of I can do anything I want to and summon anything here and do really, really fun kind of jank with it. I think it's, here's a big beast, it's going to punch you in the face. I think it's a lot of the movement stuff though because like that little combo I mentioned before where Dreamer bops out, pulls uh, Chompy in then uh, whoever it was, swaps Teddy, was it? I can't remember, swaps places yeah. with Champion, goes in and hits a few things. You've got stuff getting pushed and pulled all over the place, thrown into web markers. There's a lot of shenanigans. It in is. There. It, I suppose that there's definitely there's definite games where you'll get the triggers in the right order. I feel the only time I have a kind of Yu-Gi-Oh! I've revealed my trap card moment is when Serena gets that hole in the world. Yeah. And then that is just a, aha, go away. See, um, when you say, uh, okay, it, I just think hole in the wall, like the, Crap! Yeah, bring on the TV wall. program. Bring on the air. Bring on the wall. And the... We've been playing too much Fall Guys. That's the issue. No, probably, probably. Um, cool. Hiring pooliness. It's a summoner, so it's going to be high. Yeah, I think four. Yeah, I think four. It, 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 he's not. He's got enough options. He's one of the bigger summoning pools. He's not gremlin level. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the versatility of what you can bring in, the fact that I can go where well, the Insidious Madness can be really good. It can be average stitched daydream also choosing what to hire and what to summon i think there's a lot of leverage there yeah and a yeah. lot of kind of chat i think you can have a long 
get four better dreamer players than me to chat to each other. I think they'll be chatting all day about different combinations and different suits. So I think it's definitely towards the top end of the scale. I think the fact at the start you said you have two different lists you choose from, whereas with Summer, I, I tend to play a pretty static list and then just summon in whatever I need for the rest of the game. Yeah, it's weird for a summoner to actually go, I've got these two builds I'm going to go with. Yeah. They're very abstract, different. Cool. Well, that just leads on to the last point. I'm sure Courtney's looking forward to this one, so I'll let him take the yeah, he's lead. He's very quiet. So he's yeah. He's, <laughs> he's reading this other letter he's just got from George. Um, <laughs> so, Courtney, dickishness. Ten. Ten out of ten. five. Not, yeah, <laughs> ten out of five. I hate that little bastard. <laughs> Just a little boy, <laughs> um, like I said before, the summoning isn't the problem, um, it's the deck. It's the, deck. the deck is really strong, and I struggle, I'm really struggling to see how to beat him. I know Tom's given some ideas and stuff like that, but the problem is, is that you have to get you have to put pressure on him, you have to, because the turn three onwards, he his deck is going to be on fire. But when you've got a line of buff boys like Teddy and um, and Squidward and um, and Chomper Wumper, um, it's difficult to get to the little sod because he's back there and he's got Serena with him. So one and the problem is, is once you get through that line, he's still got the little minions as well. He's he's a really strong master and. Um, it's just that cat. You just once you get to like turn four, if you haven't put the pressure on him that you needed to do, you're fucked. You've absolutely, you're absolutely fucked because you've got to score your schemes yeah, exactly. early. Yeah. Turn four, you I can't rely on them. Like Colette, who just won't give a shit because they'll just do whatever they want anyway, and Dreamo just has to like it and lump it. But outside of that, it, you have to keep the tempo going. You've got to keep. If you, as soon as you are behind Dreamer, you've lost. Because, as I say, turn three onwards, his deck is going to be on fire. You cannot pick your fights then. You need to try and get the. You need to try and get something done in those early matches, in those early turns before he really has just severe and medium deck. Personally, that's what I think. So yeah, I would. I would say that. I I have to say four or five. I just think. Yeah, the amount of times that like I get to turn four and it's just like yeah, it's thoughts. <laughs> have you um, have you ever beaten Dreamer? No, no. To be uh, to be fair, and this is this is the point. I have never beaten Tom at um, at uh, Melifol. So right. might, that, you that must might be... stop. You must no, stop at some never point. Beat you. Never beat you once. I've never beat That's you. That's rubbish. You've definitely no, beat I'm me. Not. I've not. I've not. I've not. Wait for the day then. That... <laughs> we'll do an <laughs> episode on that. The only times I've ever beat you is Aristea. I've never beat you at Malifo. So that might come into it as well. He's just a better player than me. But generally speaking, I, ju- I just fall down with the keeping that tempo. And it's because he has such a strong crew. He's got some good, strong beaters in keywords. And he has that card draw. He just seems like a very complete master. And he doesn't. his weaknesses seem very... Minor to me personally. Yeah. So I think you've hit the nail on the head because I don't think, now again, this isn't testament to my, it's not a humble brag here, but I don't think I've lost a game with Dreamer at the club. And I feel like, you know, Pandora is my master and I've definitely about a 50 50 success rate with mm-hmm. her. Like Dreamer, Dreamer 
covers bases well. And that might just be I've learned yeah. the game a little bit better. It might be that I've narrowed down to three masters and I know what I'm doing. Now four, sorry, Tara. But, <laughs> like, I, 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 he is good. And I think a lot of what Courtney's saying is usually what the opponent turns around and says to me at the end of the game, like, oh, Jesus Christ, that, like, you know, you've removed all this stuff. And it might not be, like, negativity. I don't ever want the opponent to feel bad, but it is that kind of, like, I don't know what the solution is to this problem. And it's easy for me to sit here and go, here's the solutions, but you put Dreamer in front of me. And if I don't have Pandora or Dreamer on hand, I'm not going to know what to do. If I'm playing Outcasts, you know, I might be like, well, Tara will work. I don't exactly know how that will work on the board. I just know Pandora works against Dreamer. I just know Dreamer works against Dreamer. Um, as for every other faction, every other master, I'm not really sure. Um, Chris, based on what you've heard today? Yeah, well, I, I've I played Dreamer. I played alongside Dreamer once in that wonderful, not at all cheesy doubles game. And I played against Dreamer once and it was pre-errata stitched. Um, I'm sure I managed to wangle a win there somehow. I can't remember who I used, but I did it by exactly what Courtney said, scoring very, very early on. So by the time Dreamer was powered up, um, I'd already scored most of my points. And yeah, we wiped all my stuff out, but I had enough of a head start there that he'd concentrated on killing and not so much on scoring. Um, it was still very dickish to play against. I wouldn't say a five, maybe a four. Um, it's just your ability because... as well. You said push. He it. It just, he's not a slow career, but he's a complete package. It's the I terrifying tests. It's the very strong cards. Yeah. It's the big hits. It's yeah. tying you up in melee ranges so you can't do much. It's moving you around. It's moving him around. There's so he's much. He's great against shooting crews. Yeah. Shooting crews hate him. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, he's he's great against everything. He's a he's a great master, and I did have a dreamer crew, um, and I absolutely loved my dreamer crew. I sold it not long ago. Apparently, it turned up randomly at a game in Manchester. If anyone's seen it, it's a Monsters Inc. themed one that I was doing um, <laughs> with with Chompy Bits as uh, Mike Wazowski, Dreamer as Boo, and then um, Capellius was no Capellius was Mike. Sorry, Chompy was Sully. So Capellius was just a big green eyeball, like <laughs> holding an eyeball. But um, I, I loved playing with it in second edition. Third edition, I just had to streamline some of my factions because I don't want to end up like Courtney. Um, it's a bad place to be. That water is all flowing. No, no. I would like to see, like, I think Courtney has some masters up his sleeve that will really be a pain. I'd, I'd hate yeah. to see Dreamer I, versus Jan, Jan Lowe, Death Star versus yeah. Death Star. Yeah. And I'd hate to see, Luke, once Courtney's got his head around Lucius, I do not want to deal with that. Yeah. I, I think Molly has a good game, actually, because the thing with Molly is, if, 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 if Dreamer gets anywhere near Molly, then I could do nine, um, nine uh, irreducible damage. Easy if yep. I've got the cards in my hands. And yeah, and Rez, Rez in general with terrifying, you could tech in a few things to be a pain in the neck. One hundred percent. So I, I, there are things to play. There are things to play against. It's just like I think it is just I hit that skill ceiling at the moment that I need to try and get past. And I think Summoners is the one that I'm struggling the most with because yeah. it's just that. I, I don't think time, you're alone there at all, mate. I think that's a standard thing yeah. across the board. I think Summoners are a hard challenge. I think it's like just trying to keep that tempo early. I think that's the, a lot of times I, um, the first couple of turns, I am very passive. Maybe I need to be a bit more aggressive. Um, I think Dreamer ties in well to the way Tom plays because Tom does like to put that pressure on early and be very in your face and if you can just kind of you have to either deal with it or ignore it 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I could stand to learn to sit back turn one and not move everything over the halfway line, but I like, like I said at the start, there is a psychological pressure to... Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, he's summoned three models. Oh, my God, he's getting cards out of his deck. Oh, my God, there's three beaters on the halfway line. Like, you, you, the more choices you, you pose to the opponent... Yeah, the more chance they'll prioritize the wrong one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, to be fair, I mean that's never born at all. But never born is supposed to be the more, the, the aggressive crew, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The faction that wants you to get into your face and stuff like that. So it's definitely a dumb theme. I mean, I love the theme of Dreamer. Actually, I love the summoning. How the summoning works. So I think I think generally speaking, if you choose um, to play Dreamer, you know you've got. A, you could probably just play Dreamer, and you'd have a you'd have a good game against quite a few crews. I don't think you'd ever be. A, I think you wouldn't be out guns very often. No, I think I think if you pick up Neverborn, you can pick up Dreamer and Pandora, and that will cover pretty much everything. And there's a nice crossover between them. Yeah. Um, I mean, Dreamer's great, but he's still number three to my best girls. You know, I, I like I like Nekima's more fun to play, and Pandora is more. Just she's just my girl. <laughs> what are you calling your holy trinity? Is it like the the mother, the son, and the boxy ghost, or something? No, it's more <laughs> just, just the boxy ghost. The boxy ghost. It's uh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how to go about it. It's just, it's just the, there's best girl, best boy. There's waifu, and there's the little child. <laughs> Plot Sounds twist: like- Dream is the best girl. <laughs> Sounds like a blue sitcom. Look, uh, look I, think... I will get my neck in my body pillow. Weird <laughs> I think we've sorted the scoring. So, Tom, give us your final pitch. Why should people play as Dreamer? Uh, Dreamer is Malifaux, in essence. Dreamer yeah. takes every part of Malifaux and utilises everything that makes it unique. So the card flipping, the buried mechanics, the thematic miniatures with varying sizes that have abilities that you think they go, tied in with really fun lore. He is the complete package. He plays like you think he should. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, in terms of the crunch, mechanically, he's a very, very good master that will look take care of you, basically. Um, you can have a decent game against anybody. There isn't a lot of frustration with his mechanics because they inherently get a little bit stronger as they go. And there's a lot of room to grow, as Courtney said. You can just play him as your master, which I think we said about all of these. Yeah. Um, but here you have a lot of ability to learn the game with Dreamer. I wouldn't start with him. I would start with someone a bit more straightforward mm-hmm. within Neverborn. But I think he is definitely a master that you could learn to main quite a lot of the time. And I think if you're playing in a different faction and you've not tried him and you've got a mate who has him, just get a game in with him because I think everyone should at least try and play Dreamer once, not to convince you to buy him, but just because it's that Malifaux aspect. I think everyone should fire Seamus's gun at least once. <laughs> I think everyone should summon with Dreamer at least once. I think everyone should bury half of the board with Tara. Um, or you know, declare three irreducible damage with levy, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, he's one of those you've got to do kind of mechanics. So I think if you're an Everborn player, you already have him at the stage or you've already eyed him up. If you're not, give him a go because it's just it's great. And I, I like the idea that if you fall in love with his fluff as well, you've also got a window then to go to the other side game and start playing that as well. I, I think it's a matter of time until Dreamer pops up as a character in that if he's oh, not yeah. already he, in Star His parents got killed, didn't they? And he's in like yeah. an orphanage in London. Yeah. So I, I think I think there's a there's a great opportunity for his story to be played out in both games, and I think law wise, that's a nice character to follow. On Earth, though, he's just a shit kid with a cricket bat. He is until he manages to pull Chompy the other way. Well, yeah, there is that. There is that. <laughs> Jeez. 
So I think that's about the perfect point to end it, really. So, um, Courtney, have you got anything you want to say? Um, you know what? Actually, yeah, I do. Um, I know at the moment, um, I, don't, it, I know this is an escape for a lot of people, you know, the hobby and stuff like that. I know it's a rough time at the moment with all this virus shit going down, but um, just want to say, you know, try and keep your shit up as best you can. And then hopefully we can get back to um, playing games as normal eventually, you know, soon and over. But hopefully we can get all get through this and I hope you're all keeping safe. That's all I've got to say. We are a working punchline, this podcast, aren't we? It's like a teacher, a retail manager and a care home worker go into a bar. Yeah, yeah. one of them coughs. Go into a bar in no more than a group of six and uh, from two different households, unless you're shielding. No, it's. um, I think I'll echo that. This is this is our escape. Uh, We we don't get to mingle socially at the minute, really, because every time we just about announce that we're going to meet up for a club night or something like that, then some piece of news comes out saying you can't mix with people and it gets cancelled. So we have Vassal, and we have this really, and. do whatever you can to keep in contact with people, you know, whether it is Vassal, whether it is Discord, whether it's just a video calling someone. Yeah. Play games, tell people you're playing games, let other people know that people are having fun out there and there is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, and most of all, hashtag hoodies for I was going to say, and, uh, <laughs> if you're feeling really dumb, buy a big pink hoodie. <laughs> and that'll make Tom happy at the very least. Yeah. Also, justice for stations. Yeah. <laughs> daydream. Justice for daydreams. Yeah. Cool. Stations. Well, Tom, do you want to wind us out with the uh, end of show messages? Yeah, massive thank you as always for everyone who supports the podcast and supports the channel. Everything through Patreon support to a general nice comment to I've picked up this faction because I listened to that. Um, we are three guys plus guests who, as Chris said and Courtney said, playing a club together and just kind of fell in love with the game. So it's nice that our very casual mates chatting around a, a couple of microphones is is so nicely received so if you would like us to cover anything in the future please do let us know we're obviously working our way through different factions at the moment we've all bought models in new factions yeah my fact so baby we, she's so good yeah. <laughs> so we're spreading our wings a little bit so obviously we won't be on our too much in our neverborn bayou reza thing we've got that plenty of that in the chamber as well yeah um but yeah keep in contact let us know how your games are going and share them with us and as always like i said uh support us as you can whether it's a comment or even a little donation and yeah just pester chris to make some leopold and trunky shirts because i think we need that in our lives at this stage yeah we're gonna try and get on fiverr and get someone to nicely design them unless someone out there wants to draw us a lovely image of leopold and trunky that we can get on a t-shirt and uh well your mates with weird now can you not get them to (laughs) no it's ip infringement maybe i've had one retweet because i painted a model and Probably posted it on Twitter about five times, tagging them every single time. <laughs> I got very lucky. Best mates, mate. Best mates. Best, best, just jealous, the pair of you. You're just jealous <laughs> because I'm friends with James Weird. And James Weird. His family. James R. Weird. <laughs> James Weird. I don't know his name. Um, so we'll leave it there then. That's the end of the show. So thank you very much for Tom. Bye-bye. And thank you very much to Courtney. Bye-bye. And thank you very much to me. Best friend of weird and ultimate retweeter. We'll see you all soon. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Well, thank you for listening to the Harleyfoe Show. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, drop us a tweet on the Twitter at Harleyfoe Show. Also, 
You could chuck us some money on Patreon at TNG Productions to help us keep making this amazing content. Also get some exclusive freebies like dice and t-shirts and other amazing things. Check out the show notes for all the info. So once again, thank you for tuning into the Harlefoe Show. Please come back next time for more fucking nonsense. Bye!